Coco. Merry Christmas. Oh my God. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I've been waiting so long for that one. What's up, everybody? It's the SoCo Show, episode 125. Happy holidays, everybody. Uh, celebrating Christmas and Hanukkah and all the other holidays, uh, Kwanzaa, whatever else that they're, that I might be forgetting. Uh, I'm trying to be inclusive, but I just don't know. Um, anyways, I'm the co-host, Cody Michael. He's the SoHost, Seth Hot. There we go. Uh, we got a lot of stuff. We continue to be in the height of uh, movie season, especially Oscar season. A lot of great shit coming out. We have a lot of movie reviews to get to. A lot, of, a couple of TV reviews to get to as well as a fun Mambo number five today. So I think it's going to be a fun show. Um, but uh, it is, this show will come out the day after Christmas. Uh, so for many of our viewers, you're back to work or traveling home. So we hope this uh, podcast finds you well and having enjoyed uh, a nice holiday time. Uh, Seth, what, what will you have done on Christmas Day uh, before this day, before this show releases? Fucking bitches and getting money. All right. That's how we celebrate <laughs> Christmas on the SoCo show, baby. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, no, <laughs> no, just hanging out with some family and doing that thing, you know, the usual holiday holiday thing. Uh, going to see a movie tomorrow morning, seeing Little Women. So I'll start my, my uh, Christmas off with, with that. But otherwise, uh, you know, pretty normal holiday and dreading having, having to go back to work the next day. Mm, yeah, I don't blame you. Uh, I think I'm also going to the movies. I, I'm not certain yet what I'm seeing, um, but uh, I'm flying solo for, for Christmas this year, which before anyone goes, oh, no, I, I'm actually kind of stoked. Like, <laughs> I, uh, I, I like I like spending days by myself. So Christmas is not um, not an exception to that rule. So, uh, yeah, I'll probably catch some movies. I may go skiing if the weather's right. Uh, and very excited to watch some basketball as well. Big game for LeBron tomorrow. I'm going to watch with some friends. So gonna be a good a good holiday for us again hopefully you've enjoyed yours as well and if you're traveling we're happy to be uh accompanying you on your on your travels home hopefully the thursday scaries or the wednesday scaries i suppose uh aren't hitting you too hard but the soco show does not take a week off for christmas and we're here to talk about a lot of stuff today Uh, like i said a lot of reviews and some other fun stuff along the way but uh before we get to any of that we got to start with uh I guess we'll see whether or not it's a holiday-influenced chic tweet. I call you a punk. Merry Christmas to all the intelligent people, even the jabronis. Mm. And spreading the love. Oh, there's more. There's another Christmas-themed one. I better just do it now because it won't make sense a week from now. Uh, Santa better not fuck around this year. Or I beat the fuck out of him. Make him humble. Mm. You gotta, you gotta make Santa humble for sure. And you know uh, what? Got one more, not Christmas themed, but again, it's timely, so I'm gonna do it. Finally, the sheik says, "May the force be with you while you go fuck yourself." <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Triple sheik tweets. <laughs> oh no. Three of those there uh, for the Sheik. He's spent some quantum shit. I agree uh, with all of that. Um, I think Jabronis and Santa Claus uh, should all be humble. And <laughs> I hope the force is with them while they, uh, how'd you put it, go fuck themselves? I, I think so. <laughs> all right. Season's greetings from the Sheik. I call you a punk.
All right, folks. Don't forget our sponsors for this show, audibletrial.com slash SoCo. Hit the link in the description. 30 Days of Audible and your first book for free. Free. Mathis Designs on Etsy. If you're looking for some after last minute Christmas gifts, check out etsy.com slash shop slash Mathis Designs for all your stationery and graphic design needs. Pulled. And for a perfect gift any time of year, give the gift of Mike's Wood which can be found on etsy.com slash shop slash corn fed and wed. And you know, he's working that holiday wood too. Ho, ho. <sighs> Ooh, that's a, that's a good one. Nice. All right here. Uh, one more sponsor. Let's kick it over to our previously recorded selves to talk a little bit about anchor. All right. We're back from that. Uh, I'm sure enlightening commercial break. And w- w- I want to jump into the show. Um, but I also, uh, want to revisit something we talked about last week, which is the hashtag fuck Kumail oh, uh, no. or, or the hashtag lick Kumail. Uh, for listeners of the show, um, if you follow us on Twitter, uh, which you should be at uh, underscore Cody Michael at Seth Oat or at SoCo Show Pod, uh, hit our Twitter page up and find a, uh, a f- uh, photoshopped fight poster made for us by at jared buckendall and it looks awesome it, it's me versus kumail and it's a whole big thing and it's very fucking cool uh so i want to give a shout out to jared uh for putting that together for us we tweeted at kumail he has yet to respond to our inquiry for a fight so we will keep you guys updated i think uh, uh i think that uh, if if Kamel doesn't respond by, uh, we'll see the fight is scheduled uh, to Jer- to what Jared put on the poster for Valentine's Day. So if Kamel doesn't respond by, oh I don't know, um, say January thirty first, that gives everyone plenty of time for to make travel accommodations and everything. So if he if he doesn't respond by the end of January, I think uh, he wins by by forfeit. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! Um, shout out to Jared for that, and uh, yeah, that was just a fun little fun little segment. <laughs> I can't believe he actually fucking put that together, but it's super <laughs> well done. It looks awesome, um, and so uh, you'll want to go find that, retweet it, or or just have it. Um, if you ask Jared nicely, I'm sure he would let you pay him to have a, a print of it made. That'd be pretty cool. Maybe I'll get a hey. print. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I'd get it, it on a shirt. Room. Yeah, I'd I'd put it on a shirt or I'd just hang it in my room. It'd be pretty dope. Anyway. Uh, Kamel aside, we have a lot of stuff to talk about here. Uh, too much to cover in the show, so some of it we're going to have to uh, just give you the headlines of. Let's get into this week's quick hits. Ow. All right. Quick hits in the world of TV. Um, unexpected Patronum, Daniel Radcliffe in running for lead role in Marvel's Moon Knight. Ooh. I dig it. I would watch this. Oh, yeah, dig it. Mm, um, yeah. Mm. Give me what I want! Oh, yeah. Uh, let's see if you dig this news. Group hug in the blood shower tonight. Stephen King's Carrie in works as limited series at FX. Okay, first of all, foul. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love a good Longest Yard slash Carrie reference. It's never been attempted before uh, with good reason, but you pulled it off nicely. I sure did. Um, I think this could be interesting. I think it's a little thin to stretch out over a long series, but if it's like a six to eight episode like miniseries type thing where they steer into the teen drama of it all, uh, this could be cool, 
but it's going to be a long delay for the ultimate payoff, which could make it not as entertaining as it could be. I will try this, depending on how it's cast and who's putting it out. Uh, but this is interesting to me. I'm, I have perked ears. Do you know how long the book is? Like, is it a longer book than the movie ended up being? Um, probably it's, it's a King book. So it's got, it's got crazy detail, <laughs> probably even more than it needs yeah. to have. And so fortunately it takes place in a high school. So you could, you could bloat it as much as you wanted, which is high school yeah. shit, you know? So, or they could go into, you know, why she's the way she is. And there's a lot they could do with her mom. It, it could easily be done as like a six or eight, like 30 minute episodes, like a four to five hour series, or potentially even as a six to eight hour series. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. That's what it, it's, it's going to be a stretch, whatever they do, but it's it, ge- I, I'm interested in it. It's scheduled for a limited series, so they, that could be possible. Yeah, could be very good. Uh, and finally, uh, in TV news, good news, only one Baby Yoda story this week, and I'm not going to read it. <laughs> that is the best news that you've ever given us. And in movie news, um, we will be talking about cats later. Um, in our review, but uh, there was some Cats news. Um, audience did not follow the laser pointer to the theater and see Cats as it only opened to 6.5 million. That is unbelievable to me. Even just on name recognition, it should have made 30. I have no <laughs> idea how this happens. Uh, more Cats news. Uh, new CGI was added to, to Cats after release, pr- proving that no matter how much you polish a cat, it's still a dumbass cat. <laughs> Oh, uh, now I have an idea of why it only made six and a half to seven million. <laughs> that that is one potential reason. Uh, I I can understand. Yeah, I I can't wait to talk about it later. And <laughs> and finally, in movie news, hi, I'm Johnny Knoxville. Welcome to my funeral. Jackass Four announced. I am so over Jackass. I don't think Jackass has a place in today's world. I don't know why this would do well. I I really don't. I have I have faith in humanity that this will bomb. But I'm sure humanity will fail me once again and make it a blockbuster hit whenever it does come out. Well, and and I mean, he almost died during Action Point, the last one he did. So I, I don't know how he's gonna live through this, dude. I, I don't. Why? Why do it? Like, it. it and, I don't. I. Can it be for money? Or I. I don't know oh, yeah. why. Well, like the the movies, they don't cost a lot to make. They're they're very low budget. I think the only budget that you that you really have is uh, you know ambulance standby. That's pretty much it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think they make money and and but the thing that's dumb about them is that like so not only now do they have to you know they're fucking fifty years old doing this, but now they they still have to top everything they've done before. So they're doing crazier dumb stunts at an older age where if they jump off of a building. Uh, they're not just going to bounce anymore. They're going to shatter. So we'll see how that ends up. Yeah, I'll be. I might look for look back on this audio when we're talking about the death of one of these fucking guys <laughs> on the shot of this movie. Uh, Johnny Knoxville, as of today, forty eight years old. Yeah, uh, and is going to be running around in shopping carts. That this is this is highly and, highly stupid to me. And Bam Margera looks more like Phil Margera right now. So um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know like how that's going to work out. But either way, that is the quick hits all right great stuff in quick hits as always and we've got some uh, some more stuff that we're gonna talk about maybe get a little more elaborate on first of all in the world of tv and this uh, is a very great edition of the tv corner two shows that uh 
that have featured heavily on this show. So let's let's jump right in. Television down on the corner. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Seth, kind of a his and hers flavor to the TV corner this week. Two shows that you have followed since inception. Uh, one of which just wrapped up its season finale. The other continues to gain momentum. Uh, I'll leave it up to you which to pick first, but I think that uh, we're looking at some some uh, some positive reviews here uh, in the corner today. Well, uh, you, you mentioned you said season finale. One was series finale. The other right, a season yes. finale. Um, I'll start with uh, I guess how I watch in order. Uh, the first was the series finale in Mr. Robot season four. Series ended uh, this past Sunday. And, uh, I mean, for those who have been following the show, I won't say too much if you haven't watched it or finished it, um, but basically, I mean, this it's a series finale, so it's a, it's a culmination of, of, you know, what's been happening. They do a very nice job of wrapping everything up. The main story, the, the, the main through line that we've seen is that uh, Elliot uh, and, and his... Um, his uh, counterpart, Mr. Robot, which we all know by now is, is a guy in his head, um, have uh, basically they, they're they're trying to take down the Dark Army or uh, who is run who's headed by White Rose, who is uh, B D Wong, otherwise known as Benedict Wong, and he uh, he's, he's kind of the evil <laughs> the evil guy. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, the BD. I keep forgetting the BD Wong thing, but you don't. And so yeah. every time it comes back up, it is, <laughs> it is as entertaining as ever. <laughs> BD Wong. Um, but no, BD Wong is, is the main villain of the show. And um, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the, the running through line of the of the season is that, you know, it's it's the final steps, the final basically like kind of chess chess board here. Um, through the majority of the season. Now, it does the last three to four episodes of the season um, kind of take a different direction. Um, that direction that it goes, I won't really say, because it's it's something that really needs to be seen. Um, I know I, I off-air I, I told you about it because you haven't watched the show and haven't really planned to. Um, but, you know, it, it's it, it goes some pretty crazy places. It goes some really deep places. Uh, talking about... Things like mental health and society in general. Um, there, there's also kind of a running storyline throughout the the this season of um, well, one of them is is definitely like family, uh, talking about family and family relationships and dynamics. Um, the kind of the the one of the unsung, uh, th- I guess, storylines of the show is is the relationship between. Uh, Elliot, who's Rami Malek's character, and uh, his sister Darlene, who's played by Charlie Carly Chaikin. Um their their relationship really took a front seat towards the, the the in this season, where it's kind of been more of a backseat thing that's that's been talked about, but not really a focus through the last couple of seasons. And I really did enjoy that. Um, but I mentioned mental health is a big thing, um, and and then kind of talking about um, really discovering. Not, I mean, in a way, confronting, I guess is probably the better word, confronting some things that have happened in, in your life. I mean, there there's one episode in particular that happens, episode seven of the season, that um, really, I think it's one that, even if you don't watch Mr. Robot, you may have seen some people talk about it online because it was such a powerful episode and they really go some 
some really, really deep places and they reveal some things in the episode. Um, and then the last three episodes of the season also as well, last four actually, were, were all really great and, and went some pretty crazy places. Um, they, they make some, they take some really, really huge chances in this show this season um, that could, if done incorrectly or even just slightly off from what they did, could have could have really divided the, the fan base of the show or, you know, had the majority of the fans uh, say, no, this doesn't work and, and really jump off board. But they handled it perfectly. And, uh, you know, I've seen nothing but praise for the show. Um, seasons two and three, a lot of people fell off and uh, a, a lot of people kind of, um, you know, after season one really had some crazy twists and turns, seasons two and three just kind of kept either dedicated fans of the show at least on board but not super into it or just people fell off entirely season four though for those who stuck around for seasons two and three absolutely paid off 100 percent um it for me it's it's at least in terms of finales i think it, and it hasn't been a lot of time since i've watched it but for for me i think it might be my favorite and most well done uh, series finale of all time just wow. because of what it did with the chances it took and, and almost re redoing the show in a way the way they did it, I thought was perfect. So it, I think it's one that, that absolutely, I mean, there's very few seasons of a show that say for me that, that I would say like you, you have to, if you haven't seen the show, you, you should watch everything else to get to this. I mean, season one is fantastic. Seasons two and three are fine, but not, you know, amazing but season four and specific like specifically the finale it's worth watching everything to get to that point um so it's it's fantastic season four it does start off a little bit slow so it does keep my rating just a little bit lower than you know a a perfect um it, it does kind of continue on the season two and three path for the first i don't know three four episodes um but I mean, especially episode seven and beyond is some of the best TV I've I've watched. So, I'm giving Mr. Robot uh, season four, um, and again, just because of how uh, it, you know the, this finale, how great it was, it you know made made me emotional. I definitely squirted some tears from my eyes. I'm giving season four, Mr. Robot, the finale, uh, series finale, final season, four point eight emotional hacks out of five. Wow, that is. I think what's interesting about this show, and you've told me kind of about how the plot unfolds, so I, I know maybe more than others, um, but the idea that in four seasons you can have an entire narrative of a show and then wrap it up in a way that is compelling, interesting, and fits the rest of the show is, for one thing, not something that is attempted often. I, it, so, so many times lately we're trying to squeeze extra seasons out of stuff. Mm-hmm. But this was a case, like another show of yours, Breaking Bad, where mm-hmm. you know it, it was determined early that this was not going to be a long show. And it sounds like they were able to bring their ideas to fruition and land the plane in a way that is tough to do for a series. So this is one I know you've been following and have been really... You've, you and I have been talking about that show specifically for, I guess, four years now, or at least three. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm happy to hear that you enjoyed the finale, and I know what happens, um, but I would agree with you and say that Mr. Robot should get a recommendation for folks who haven't seen it yet, because knowing where it ends up and knowing a lot of the things along the way, this would be a great series for anyone to pick up 
Yeah. Um, there is a lot of fun to be had along the way just based on the few plot twists and turns that you've told me about. And I will say, too, the the thing that Mr. Robot, one of the Mr., the things that Mr. Robot did um, better than really any other show than probably Room 104, which this will make sense in a second, is that they had some really crazy themed episodes that all fit within the show and made sense within the show, but were very different. Like they had this, this, like I've talked about in the past, they did like a sitcom themed episode that worked, but they also this season did a, an episode where uh, it was almost entirely silent. There was like one word said in the entire episode for an hour without commercials. This is one that didn't have any commercials. So an hour episode of TV that moved the narrative of the entire season forward still without any dialogue so that was pretty crazy they also had one that episode seven with with the uh the the crazy thing the the thing that i mentioned that something pretty crazy happens um that was a themed episode it was um it almost was shot like a um like a it almost looked like a law and order episode in a way like it was uh it was an episode most of the show was takes place like a full screen you know show and this was like a widescreen darker it was a much darker episode uh, it almost felt like a just kind of a it's definitely more of like a drama like a kind of a procedural drama drama in a way but again move the narrative forward and really told the story that um, was super deep and hit a lot of people really hard so yeah I, I mean amazing um there's a point I was gonna make earlier that basically th- this show is not one that had a lot of um fanfare so it wasn't i do think that when when sam asmal who created the show he probably i i think season one he clearly had a vision for and knew where he was going and i think he clearly knew where he wanted the show to end i think that was very apparent by by the finale so he knew the beginning and the end i think maybe the middle he didn't know exactly what he wanted to do so seasons two and three i think if 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 someone could cut together seasons two and three, um, or if he could, you know, make two seasons two and three into one, and had this be, you know, one just three seasons of a show, I think it would have been. I think this would have rivaled Breaking Bad for one of the best shows ever, and I still think it's. I think this is still an amazing show and deserves a lot of recognition. But um, the the lull in seasons two and three at times weren't bad. They were never bad, but it just kind of lost the edge that it had. Um, so again, I, th- I think if, if, if there would have been a little bit more clear of a direction or maybe just combine seasons two and three into one, the show would have been near perfect or perfect. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I would recommend, especially again, just for knowing where it goes and where it ends up and how everything ties together. Um, it's, it's a show that it's on Amazon prime currently seasons one, two and three on Amazon prime right now. When season four comes out, I, I would recommend anyone who has Amazon absolutely check it out. It, it's it's deep and it's it goes some places that are uncomfortable, but um, it's it's absolutely worth a watch, especially if you love like the mind bending twists and turns of of a show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like it could be a nice <clears throat> excuse me a nice uh, replacement for folks who are trying to fill a Game of Thrones gap or any of these other big uh, Watchmen. If you were keeping out any of these big super dramatic twisty turny. Uh, crazy oh shit plot twists and things like those heavy drama series prestige type level shit um, if you're looking for one of those uh, look no further than Mr. Robot because from what I can tell incredibly well done 
uh, on every level of production, even the ads for this as time has gone on, um, mm -hmm. and the the way that they have um, tried to uh, sort of like ancillary to the show itself, there's been like email advertising and different things like that to involve the uh, to involve the viewers, and which is really cool. So. Uh, kind of a nice little culty thing that I'm assuming has been very rewarding for you to have been along the whole way. I don't mm -hmm. know whether or not it'll be quite the same for folks who decide to binge it or, or watch it really quickly uh, after it's all said and done. But um, uh, I remember you having told me during the first season, holy shit, this show's awesome. So it's great to see that it's now finished and that the entirety of it uh, is still something that you hold in such high regard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think... This finale, especially the finale, I because uh, when people bring up a show like Breaking Bad, when when anytime someone brings up Breaking Bad, and especially talks about the finale, um, I can I instantly I can picture the shot of Walter White laying on the ground and, and the mm -hmm. camera panning up and then Jesse going fucking crazy, um, and I think if it you know obviously Mr. Robot's not a show that is going to be as discussed as Breaking Bad, but if anyone ever brings up Mr. Robot and especially the finale. I will always remember a few certain shots from the from this finale. It was that, it was that just strong of a of a of, of a finale and that strong of a stamp at the end that it's gonna sit with me for a long time. So again, definitely check it out if you have a chance. Yeah, uh, seasons one through three available on Amazon Prime. Check those out. Uh, season four has just wrapped up on USA, so that'll be dropping uh, not too far in the future on Amazon Prime as well. So check that out. The show is Mr. Robot. Season four gets 4.8 uh, emotional plot twists, I think is what you said. Uh, um, emotional hacks. Emotional hacks uh, out of five. So great score. Uh, as high as we've seen uh, anything get for from Seth here in the corner. And we turn now to another show, which I've heard you describe as your favorite show on television in the past. It's back for its third season, I believe on uh, Amazon Prime, and it's kind of become the, the crown jewel of, of Amazon's uh, offering here. So uh, tell us about season three of this hit that I'm sure a lot of folks out there are watching. And actually the only show to ever get a, to ever get a perfect rating um, is the show Marvel, uh, last season, Marvelous, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, um, which I'll be reviewing here in a second. But first I do want to say um, Sam Esmail, who created Mr. Robot, does have another show on USA coming out uh, in, I believe... February, um, that ha it's called Briar Patch, uh, which stars Rosario, Rosario Dawson. I'm in. Um, so yeah, uh, basically the synopsis is an investigator returns home to solve the death of her sister from a car bombing. The search for a killer unravels a system of corruption in her small border town. Um, I, I, I'm going to watch the show. I mean, anything Sam Esmail does from now on, I'm going to instantly watch. He's kind of earned that same thing with like Vince Gilligan. They, he's earned that for me, just his name alone. Um, but the, the talent here is pretty great. Uh, mentioned Rosario Dawson, um, Al, uh, Ed Asner, Alan Cummings. So Kim Dickens, who was in Fear the Walking Dead, and it's been some other things. So um, a, a lot of good talent here. Uh, it sounds like an interesting plot. So if you want to get on the ground level of a, an, of a Sam Asmel show, I'm sure there's going to be some great. He's great at twists and turns. So coming up in February in USA as well, uh, that's one to check out. Um, but Marvelous, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, uh, season three. Um, again, Amazon Prime. This one's a little shorter. I was upset. It was only eight episodes compared to the ten the last few have been. So I got a little bit less of my of my Maisel this this time around. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, still, I mean, th this show is is still as fantastic as ever. Um, 
This season focuses on Midge, Maisel, uh, now on the road with, uh, at the end of last season, uh, she basically gets to gets invited on the road with uh, Shy Baldwin, who's kind of like, a, a, almost like an Elvis or, um, I don't know, I, I'm trying to, I guess maybe like a, just basically like you think of a, of a big, kind of like the big singer at the time he's he's um very much just like a a swooner uh, all the girls love him um you know big name type of thing so um he he, he uh, midge is going to open for him and so the the good chunk of the show this season is is about her being on the road with him they're here in vegas they're in florida um they're kind of all over the place and so you get to kind of see the life on the road um as uh, Midge is kind of getting more of a name for herself, along with at the same time she's dealing with, uh, you know, having to be a, a, a parent on the road as well. Um, her ex-husband Joel uh, is also kind of doing his own thing now. He's he's uh, running, he's starting a club like a nightclub, uh, plays music and all that stuff. So um, he's dealing with himself, trying to to. Uh, you know, get to basically achieve his aspirations. He's also kind of seeing someone here in the season too. So they're dealing with when Midge is back in New York and stuff, you're dealing with, um, you know, kind of the, their, their relationship and, and also now introducing uh, Joel having his, his uh, a new love interest as well. Um, so that's, that's very interesting. I, I, the show still does very much focus on their relationship at times. Uh, Joel and, and Midge, you kind of, you saw some rekindling at the end of last season and some weird places where, where that's going. Um, you also in this season, uh, Susie, who is Midge's manager, uh, she, she has taken on, uh, Jane Lynch's character, uh, Sophie Lennon as, as a, as a client. So there's some conflict there between her and Midge, um, and then also this season introduced they introduced Sterling K Brown who was great. Uh, I mentioned doing the waves review that he um, kind of plays the same character in a lot of this stuff, and that actually I I didn't even think about, but he plays a much different character. He's the manager to Shy Baldwin, and instead of being like a fatherly type and 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 charming and all that stuff, he's kind of a, a almost like a he's he's very hard nosed and very he's he's harsh but funny type character um i actually did end up really liking him because at first he's very just uh he he doesn't really get along with Susie or midge but he starts to warm up with warm up to them as time goes on and so he becomes more of an ally than a than a an opponent uh that where he's kind of an opponent at the beginning so um they introduce that's the thing that i do like about the show is they introduce new characters very slowly and uh, they don't introduce a lot at once, and so they keep everything really compact and, and nice with the characters they have, but then they you know sprinkle in these new characters as time goes on, and, and it works. It feels natural, which is great. I think that that's, even though this, the world of the show is very unnatural, all the characters feel very natural and like they like they know each other, and, and they're all just very well written. Um, one of my, I mean, my, my other favorite part of the show other than Midge is, uh, Tony Shalhoub as Abe Weissman, her dad, um, Midge's dad, uh, last season, he was my favorite part of that season. And he's very close to my favorite part of this season. He is the writing that they've done for him. He is, he knows exactly what he is. He, um, like Here's an example of, of something that that he does like the, the, just it's just perfect. Um, 
so this season he they end up having to leave their apartment and they move in with um joel's parents who are played by uh, the father's Kevin Pollock. I don't know who the, the, the wife is, but basically they're, so it's these two Jewish, very Jewish families living together, all of them in their own separate, like they they all, they all have their, they all have their own ways of living and things like that. And, and so they're living in a decent sized house, but they're all kind of on top of each other. And so like Tony Shalhoub character, Abe, um, is always asked to answer the phone and that no matter who, who it's for, he's always asked to answer the phone. Will you get the phone? And there's a point where the phone's ringing and, and someone's like, Hey, will you get that? And he goes, does anyone else answer the phone in this house? And then just like <laughs> runs towards the phone. So like just very like old, he's, he's very curmudgeon about a lot of things, but it's very funny the way he does it. And he, and he knows he's set in these ways but he still has to do it any like he's still <laughs> he just complains about everything he does even though he's set in these ways it's great his his character is so perfectly written it's amazing um i i still absolutely love the show i it's i i can just turn this on anytime and feel happy and i and i love it um it it's also a show that like i can watch it once and still like i i it's been a year since the last season came out. And I remember everything. Like it, it's it's weird how this sticks. It's it's just so well written. It's it's perfect. Um, I think the this season does rank just a, a slight bit lower um, than than last season because it did feel like some of the storylines didn't really progress in this season like they did last season. By the end, it kind of you kind of know where they're going for next season, but it just kind of felt like this season didn't really go super far it just it kind of felt like instead of going point a to point b that was there was like it only went about 75 percent of the way to b so um still great i enjoyed it a lot but just a little bit lower so i'm giving it um 4.7 uh abe abe complaints out of five (laughs) a lot of a lot of shows would love for their best season to have 4.7 um, but, uh, for Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, it, it's a low score compared to, to the last, which was a perfect five for you. Uh, no surprise here. I think what's interesting, and you mentioned, um, you know, the storylines kind of continuing or maybe not coming to fruition. Uh, we do know that this show has been renewed for season four and that that mm-hmm. is in the works. So, uh, potentially those things will come back around, but Mrs. Maisel, uh, no surprise here, basically staying true to form. Uh, I, would you expect to see, uh, more nominations? I believe that Alex Borstein and, um, I'm struggling to come up with the main actress's name have been nominated for both seasons. Would you expect to see them a third time? Rachel Brosnahan, uh, is, is the lead. Um, yeah, I could definitely see it. I think, um, yeah, I, I, especially, I mean, there, there are a few scenes with, excuse me, with, uh, um, Alex Borstein here this season towards the end. That alone, uh, she she could be nominated for just a couple scenes, but uh, yeah, I mean, there 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 is no step back taken. I think that's the only thing that's tough with like Emmys is that uh, unless there is something drastically different or bad about it, then then you know it's it's hard to or drastically different and great about it. I guess that that it's hard to get continuous nominations um if they're doing kind of the same thing which they are in some ways it's a lot of the same character which is what i love about it but uh, if it's a lot of the same character work then they they tend to not get nominated but yeah absolutely they i think they're both they're both worthy of it all right well there you have it folks 4.7 
out of five for Marvelous Mrs. Maisel season three. The final season of Mr. Robot season four got 4.8 out of five. So two highly recommended shows, both available to stream on Amazon Prime. Uh, so if you're looking for a way to justify the $12.99 a month you're paying for Prime, uh, look no further than Seth's recommendations this week in the TV corner. Television! Down on the corner. Nobody puts baby in the corner. Those are two shows that make me upset that I don't really watch shows. <laughs> <laughs> like if I if I really dedicated the time and wanted to watch shows, I would love both of those shows. I know it. Um, yeah. But uh, I just don't I don't watch a lot of hour long TV, and those are both those are both hour long shows. Um, which is weird. I I end up wa- I will watch twenty YouTube videos <laughs> that that are an hour long, uh, like in total. But for whatever reason, I I have tr- trouble committing to an hour long TV show. Uh, <laughs> that's my own problem that I'm going to need to figure out because I'm missing out on a lot of great TV apparently. Um, <laughs> but forget TV, Seth. Forget TV. We got to talk about some movies, and we're going to start with this week's Mambo number five. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. All right, so we're going to get to a review later on of the new film Uncut Gems, which stars Adam Sandler, generating a ton of Oscar buzz for him and a lot of excitement. And we thought, what what better time than this to count down the career of Adam Sandler with our top five picks. Now, this is interesting because Adam Sandler has a shitload of movies and not many of them were critically well-received. So uh, I know for my list, a lot of this is like personal, I love these movies more than it is, these are great movies. Uh Um, But regardless, uh, and I I know there'll be at least one or two of those on your list as well. Uh, Regardless, this will be a fun little trip down memory lane for Adam Sandler's long and and ultimately pretty successful career. So I am totally stoked to uh, jump into some Sandman. (laughs) (laughs) Number five. I wish I could put, I mean, because it's not a movie. I really want to put 100% Fresh on there because I love that so much. I've yeah. listened to that and watched that so many fucking times. Uh, it's crazy. But uh, I just did movies. Um, so my number five is, uh, I guess, I guess, kind of appropriately, uh, 50 First Dates. I, I have the five. same number five. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I've watched this is a great one, one man. It's a mix of for me. My 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 list is a mix of uh, ones I've watched a lot and ones I I think are really good. Um, this one I think is. I mean I don't think this is particularly a great movie, but I, I do really enjoy it and I think Sandler's really good in it. Um, I think it, this this one again watch it watch a ton. Uh, very funny. Um, I I love the. This is one where I do like the relationship a lot between him and Drew Barrymore. The premise is really cool. I you know just him having to you know, kind of fall in love. They had to fall in love every single day again and, and all that stuff. So, uh, and then for whatever reason, I still, Sean Astin in that one. Um, oh my God. <laughs> the, the, the spam, the spam and that, that always, <laughs> that, that, oh, I, oh, anytime someone brings up recent or spam, I do that. I do it. Spam and <laughs> You're going to, you're going to eat the spam and I love spam and <laughs> It's so weird. Like Sean Astin has like four or five iconic roles and I always forget that he's any of them. So <laughs> the fact that he, that same fucking guy is Rudy and Samwise Gamgee from Lord of the Rings uh-huh. and fucking Bob Newby. Bob Newby. 
<laughs> is crazy to me that he's yeah. also this tool from 50 First Dates, and he is hilarious in this, as is everyone. Everyone in this is yeah. perfect. This is this is one of the great Adam Sandler comedies that I think most people like. Yeah, I, I don't think it's one that a lot of people herald, though. <laughs> and then he does, because Sean Astin does, yeah, I think he does steroids in this, mm-hmm. and, and he wears like a fishnet shirt. <laughs> He's perfect. And then they got the the dad who's a, who's an actor I recognize but can't come up yeah. with his name and have yep. looked it up is also perfect. Her dad. Yep. And this is also just like a really nice, like sweet date movie. You know, mm-hmm. in addition to being a silly fucking Adam Sandler movie, because he almost yeah. plays this he plays the straight man in this really. Yeah. And everyone around he, him is insane. But that's also just a really <laughs> sweet movie. And he talks about because uh, he takes care of the walruses. Oh, this. the walrus dicks. Yeah. And yeah, and the and the he talks about um I think he says something about wrapping the tool and he's gonna get him a Ziploc bag for a condom. <laughs> a garbage bag. <laughs> yeah. Uh it's a good one. Yeah, that one that one is great. I I'm glad that we I knew we both have it on our list. I, I I'm pleasantly surprised to see that we have it at the same spot. Too. <laughs> number four. Uh number four might be a little low for most people, but I have happy Gilmore here. Yeah, that is low. I'm gonna I'm gonna kick that can down the road. Okay. Uh, we'll skip to my number four. Uh, this is where I have the Water Boy. Okay, I don't have that, so go ahead. I love the Water Boy. It's and th- now let's be clear. This movie is totally stupid, but <laughs> it is so <laughs> funny to me. It is endlessly quotable. Like you, there are like ten or twenty different lines in this that are hilarious and always evoke memories of that movie. You got everything with Vicky Valancourt and uh, go on and play foosball with your friends and the, fucking, <laughs> the one guy that no one can understand what the fuck he's saying. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen Waterboy in such a long time Dude. that I, I forget about that. Okay, so not only is the Waterboy hilarious and just rife with hilarious quotes, it's also like a pretty solid football movie. Like they yeah. make a football run and they've got like the passionate speech at the end. Uh, and he comes in and he says, remember when uh, Bobby Boucher showed up at halftime and the mud dogs won a bourbon bowl <laughs> and they all get so pumped <laughs> and it's everything. It is everything a 16 year old finds fucking hilarious in this movie and I happened to watch it when I was roughly that age. So it that movie forever is one of my favorite sports movies in general. But definitely one of my favorite Adam Sandler movies. And I, I don't know. I'm sure there's someone out there who will, would argue that this totally irresponsibly handles the idea of, of mental illness or at least a learning disability or whatever the hell is up with Bobby Boucher in this movie. Um, but without any knowledge of that, I can just say that everything he does and everything everyone does in that movie is fucking hilarious. <laughs> Agreed. Number three. Uh, number three is this is where I'm having uncut gems. Uh, so I'll review that a little bit later. Mm. Um, I know this isn't on your list because you haven't seen it yet. But um, I think really more than the movie. I mean, movie's great, and I'll, again, I'll talk about it later. But this is, I think, this is Adam Sandler's best performance, and it's not wow. close. Wow. Um, it's it's pretty incredible what he does. It's it's one on a day where I was pretty beaten down between this and a, uh, another movie I watched and and Mr. Robot. Still, this is one that that's that's sticking with me. So talk about it later. But uh, this is where I have uncut gems. Mm. And could be higher depending you know on t- how on, uh, depending on how time you know uh, it affects that. So 
I can't wait to see that one. Uh, my number three, uh, another one, again, my list is entirely ones that not critically super well rated, but uh, Longest Yard, the remake, is mm, my number it's three. a good one. Again, a great, great sports movie. I don't care what you say. This is a great sports movie. Like, they've got the building of the teams. The actors and characters in this are... Nelly is in this. <laughs> Fucking Burt Reynolds. Terry Crews as McDonald's uh, cheeseburger and, Eddie. And don't forget the greatest of all time. Stone Cold Steve Austin's in this movie. Yeah, Steve Austin is a bad guy. Fucking Kevin got the, Nash. Kevin Nash, the warden, who is a legendary actor whose name I, I'm struggling to come up with. Uh, Tracy Morgan is the <laughs> the cheerleader guy. Uh, Chris Rock is hilarious. And this is a stacked cast. And it's, to me, hilarious and a great football movie and delivers a couple pretty decent emotional beats. And... This is this is gross and and uncool of me, but this is the first <laughs> this is the first movie that I ever saw Courtney Cox post boob job in, <laughs> and she opens the the movie with her in a very uh, deep plunging dress. And I was in high school when this came out, and that caught my attention in a major way. Um, and that's one of the memories that sticks out to me of this movie, uh, which I, I know is terrible, but I love Longest Yard, dude. Anytime I come into a room and like the Longest Yard is on, I'm going to sit down and watch a pretty good chunk of that movie. It's, it's just so much fun. Yeah. I mean, again, critically not reviewed well, but I do love it. I own it on DVD. Um, and then I already, I quoted it earlier. So <laughs> what was the quote? Did I miss it? Kind of with, with, uh, the, uh, the carry, you even mentioned it, the, Oh, group hug yeah. in the shower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God. Can of corn, I'll be fine. Can of corn. Is that the is that the origination of the you can do it guy? Or was he in another movie before? No, that's a different one. I think that okay. was Is Happy Gilmore? What was that? Yeah, that might be. Um, or was it Yeah. I'm gonna find out where he originated, but uh yeah. let's continue. No, that, that's a that that is a great movie. Um lot a lot of weird great characters. I love the fucking um the uh the the guy who was backup quarterback <laughs> the oh I can't remember. yeah what is he was in grandma's boy um, yeah i should just pull up the cast um but he's great he's because he's got a little bit of like a he's got a little <laughs> bit of a speech impediment too right yeah and then yeah kevin nash takes the estrogen and and goes <laughs> he's there during the football they give him estrogen during the football game and uh <laughs> he's like screwed trying everybody's trying hard. really hard oh you're thinking uh i'm i'm confusing i'm confusing the longest yard with the water boy and their quarterback but the longest yard the backup quarterback is the, the little mexican guy that talks about the popcorn <laughs> yeah <laughs> no it shouldn't have that popcorn <laughs> <laughs> yeah Oh, oh man, yeah. this is honestly this is inspiring me to have a Adam Sandler movie marathon because all these movies are movies I want to watch right now. Here comes the Sandman. <laughs> <laughs> Number two, um, I know this won't make your list, but we we've talked many times about how much I love this movie. It's Funny People. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to go back more... to this. I know I do. Uh, I have not yet. It's one of one of. I mean, it's a definitely a serious, a more serious one. Um, I, this might, I think this might age more better for you because of the stand-up stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, now having done it, um, I, I think that this is a lot of, a lot about stand-up and in uh, kind of talking a little bit about the fame that he's that Adam Sandler's gone through. Now uh, they definitely make a joke and reference to a lot of the weird movies he's done and bad movies he's done. Um, 
and so they, they kind of talk about that and and um you know it does it does take some kind of tough twists and turns throughout and and uh, it goes some emotional places but the cast is fantastic um with obviously adam sandler seth rogan jason schwartzman leslie mann um eric bana there's there's a lot of a, a lot of really good cast in this um Aziz Ansari is in it. Um, so no, it, it, the, the birth of Randy is in this movie. So uh, there, it, it is a like the stand-up moments in this movie are really funny. Um, the but the the personal moments and the I don't know, just kind of the themes and overall tone of the movie, I I really enjoyed. Um, I don't know, this movie really really st- stuck with me for a long time and, and clicked with me. So I love it. Uh, speaking of click, that is not on my list, but I forgot about that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but uh, no, I, I I love this movie, and even though it's not the funniest thing, I, it's it's one of it's it's a dramatic turn for him, um, and 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 I really really did enjoy this one. Yeah, as I think about it, funny people like if I if you had if you traced it all if you traced me doing stand up all the way back to its origin, that origin is probably funny people because the first stand up comic I really got into was Aziz, and the reason I got into him was because of Randy, so. That, uh, I, I should probably rewatch Funny People because it's probably the earliest I can think of wanting to do stand-up was because of Aziz and that <laughs> um, which didn't, that, that never occurred to me before, and I'm probably not going to tell a bunch of people I was inspired by Funny People to do stand-up, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, a movie that, that uh, maybe is a good one for the, well, I guess we can't do it for Moon Miss the Boat because I've seen it before, but um, uh, one I need to get back to for sure. My number two, my number two and number one won't surprise anybody. I am a classic Adam Sandler fan, and so at number two, I've got Happy Gilmore. Um, Sandler, each of my last three movies are these sports comedies, uh, which he is so good in. Happy Gilmore, he's the hockey player trying to play golf. You got Chubbs in there. Uh, You got Shooter McGavin doing his thing. If you don't know Happy Gilmore, if you've never seen Happy Gilmore, probably actually don't watch it. Um, because it's, it's, it's unlikely that it's going to like live up to whatever anyone told you about Happy Gilmore. But I first saw it when I was like seven years old and it to this day makes me laugh almost as hard as any other movie I've ever seen. It's just, it has that deep connection with me and I'm glad I saw it when I was immature and thought everything in that movie was hilarious. Um, but fortunately I am still immature and think everything in that movie is hilarious. So happy Gilmore is <laughs> my two and one of my favorite movies ever made. I've, I've seen it probably 40 times. Yeah. I've seen it a lot too. I think that's, that's the reason it made the list. Um, for me, I, I, I mean, I, for whatever reason, so I know you're number one and, and, um, you know, it's, it's, you're number one and happy Gilmore are the ones that are kind of compared to the most, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of Adam Sandler, especially like, you know, some of his best, um, for whatever reason, happy Gilmore, what is one that I guess either I saw more or just clicked with me more. Um, for whatever reason, I think that your number one might've been a little bit too, I don't know, maybe, maybe just had a little bit more childish humor in it than happy Gilmore did, even though they both have pretty childish humor in it. I don't know. I, I I don't know why I like Happy Gilmore more, but I always I always if that if that and your number one were on, I would more often go towards Happy Gilmore. I don't know. Sure. Number one. Uh, number one for me is Big Daddy. Um, Big Daddy. Oh, yeah, I've, you love Big Daddy. Yeah, Big Big Daddy. I've seen. 
I it's it's up there for movie I've seen most of my life. It's probably top top five or ten for movie I've seen most of my life. Um, I the the I don't know what about this movie I I draw to the most, but I mean it, it's it's got some really funny moments. Um, <laughs> Rob him and Rob Schneider are great. Um, obviously, I mean, him and the kid are great. Um, they, there's some really great, great moments with 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 them. Um, just I don't know. Like I think the thing that most the most that that I connected with was their relationship. Um, the that moment when when uh, the kid gets taken away from uh, from Adam Sandler, like that kills me every time I watch it. Uh, the 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 wipe my, I'll wipe my own ass thing. <laughs> it's 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 funny, but it's like fucking it's sad because you know he's getting fucking dragged away from him. Um, I think that it you know maybe this this is I like this one a lot because it is a, a much more grounded and down to earth um, character for Adam Sandler, and I think that's for me is for me that's when when he's his, his funniest when he's more of a a person than you know kind of a character of a person. Um, kind of like in, in even the Happy Gilmore to an extent, he's he's you know kind of just out you know a little bit more animated in, in Big Daddy and and Fifty First Dates even um, he's much more of a he's reserved but he's still very funny you know he's clearly the funniest guy you know in the movie but he's more reserved and and, and kind of gets more quips in uh, than than it is like the you know the outrageous things so that's what I prefer um, but I mean the the movie has a ton of heart with with uh, with him and the kid. Um, with uh, with Joey Lauren Joey Lauren Adams uh, is the love interest in this one. Um, I, I like their their relationship is great. Uh, John Stewart is really good in this one. Um, yeah, overall, I, I love this movie. Um, and and I it's one that I get back to every couple of years or so to just to pop in because it's always makes me laugh and, and smile. It's funny, like the ones everyone's got at least one Adam Sandler movie that they like love and go everyone our age that they go back to a lot. It's just funny to me, like, which ones each person has. And Big mm-hmm. Daddy is definitely yours. Mine, at number one, is Billy Madison. And mm-hmm. this is this is the first movie I ever remember loving. And I have a shitload of memories of watching it, like, on TBS as a kid. And uh, at some point, I got a hold of the theatrical cut, which has all the swearing and stuff. And I can tell you most of the, like four TV edits that are in that movie. That's how many times I've seen both versions. Um, it's just like these other ones that I've listed here. It's It's got so many great one-liners. Uh, if I was encountered by another person who's seen it as many times as me, we could quote it all day. Um, I could probably recite to you most of the, most of the like dialogue in the movie. Um, and it's just, it's based on the dumbest premise ever that this kid needs to go back all the way through K through 12 to get his dad's hotel empire uh, as an inheritance, which is a dumb setup for a movie and everything in it is stupid, but it's also all hilarious. And they've got the very attractive Miss Vaughn, uh, (laughs) one fine piece of ace. (laughs) Uh, There is hilarious Chris Farley in this. There's just endless quotes. They've got, um, oh, I can never remember this fucker's name, but he went on to be... The dad and get out. Uh, Bradley Whitford is hilarious in this as the villain and goes on to be an actually fucking scary, menacing villain later on in his career. Um, this is just uh, top to bottom. Billy Madison is to me perfect comedy. 
but probably just because it was grandfathered in when I was about seven. Um, but uh, that is that is far and away my favorite uh, my favorite of Adam Sandler's movies. So we named, uh, I think we only had one movie, two movies crossover, so we just named eight Adam Sandler movies. There are still tons and tons of them. You mentioned Click. Uh, I know Punch Drunk Love is one that's critically uh, done very well that I haven't seen, um, so that, that's one I may try to catch. Uh, just Go With It is another one I really like. Uh, that's got Jennifer Aniston, and she she's, she's looking very fit in that one. Um, but it's also just got some pretty funny stuff in it. Uh, I actually kind of liked Grown Ups. Uh, yeah, I do too. You know? Uh, Click is one. Click, I think, would be the top of my honorable mentions. Click is one mm-hmm. that is hilarious but also has a lot of heart. I remember crying really hard uh, during that movie <laughs> when I saw it. We were, what, 17 when it came out? Mm-hmm. Um, but Click is another good one. Is um, Just Go With It him? Yes, Just Go With It is I, the one. I it's like him that and Jen one. Aniston. Yeah, that one's a good one. Um, and then Brooklyn Decker uh, is in that one, too. Um, yep. She's looking fine in that. Uh, yeah, um, you know what? Little Nicky like, is one yeah. that is a terrible movie, honestly, but it's super quotable. Uh, our buddy Mike, uh, who is a <laughs> contributor to the show, Mike V of Mike's Wood, is so good at the Little Nicky impression and hilarious. Uh, I just, I honestly, as soon as you said, as soon as you said little Nikki, I instantly, instantly pictured Mike (laughs) doing that impression. Oh my God. I, it's been so long since I've heard at some point, maybe we can get a voicemail from Mike, uh, doing a little (laughs) Nikki impression. Otherwise I'm just going to have to call his ass just to hear that. Cause that is, that shit always made me crack up. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, murder mystery is a recent one that I actually did enjoy. Yeah. I need to check that one out. I haven't seen it yet. Um, of course, Ridiculous Six uh, is it? No, no, I'm just kidding about that one. Um, <laughs> Jack Sam, and Jill, the Sandman, uh, known known a lot for his terrible movies, but has a lot of really yeah. great ones. Um, That's my boy is one that I think yeah. is better than the reception it got. It, that yep. was a pretty funny movie. Yep. Yeah, no, Jack, Jack and Jill definitely deserves the the hate it gets though. Uh, with oh, yeah. fucking Al Pacino doing the the Dunkachino. I can't believe they got him to do that shit. Oh, man. But uh, the Sandman uh, making his way through, getting uh, on Uncut Gems, which uh, you included, I think, at number three on your list, uh, the latest from Sandler. We're going to review that, or you will, um, in a little bit here. I haven't caught it yet. But uh, long and great career for Adam Sandler, and still more to come for him. So um, lots of great stuff for for him. Sam, Sandler's going to be one of the guys when eventually, if, eventually when he retires or passes away, that will I, that will elicit an emotional response from me in the way yeah. that other people are attached to Robin Williams or, or other actors and, and musicians and people that have passed away. As much as anybody, Adam Sandler, I've never known a world where I didn't think Adam Sandler was the funniest fucking person ever. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, I know, we've I've, got we've got deep attachments to him. Oh, another one that we didn't mention that uh, I imagine you'll be watching sometime over the next day or two. Eight Crazy oh, Nights. Oh yeah, Eight Crazy Nights. Yeah, that was on my list initially when I started making it, but I uh, got bumped off. Yeah, I think as soon as we, it's gonna be late here by the time we get done, but I'm still gonna probably fall asleep to it. So I like it. Um, I was gonna say. So you mentioned <laughs> Merry fucking Christmas. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna cry when Adam Sandler dies. <laughs> like. Well, <laughs> thanks. Thanks for that. Thanks for that grim thought there. Fucking. <laughs> I guess maybe that maybe that wasn't the best way to put that. I I guess what I should have just said was I have a I have a strong emotional attachment to Adam Sandler. 
<laughs> I could have just left it at that. And his new um, his new stand-up, 100% Fresh, is incredible. Yeah. For anyone who hasn't seen that, that would have been number one on either of our lists yeah. uh, had we chosen to include it over, over movies, I've, but it's a stand-up special. <laughs> I've watched it a billion times. Um, and uh, I've watched a, a lot of interviews recently because he's done a ton of, of like podcasts and and uh you know talk shows and stuff um and and you know it's all been for uncut gems but i've mostly watched all of them so that i could hear if he's doing more stand-up or if there's any news on 100 percent fresher because he's on tour he announced uh i think in upcoming in march he's going to go back on tour um not anywhere near around here but i think mostly on the east coast but i hope he's filming more because i really desperately want another special yeah that that's that's if we find out that that's coming out in 2020, it will be right up at the top of my top anticipated of the year list um, with a couple other movies uh, that we already know are coming out. But uh, yeah, Adam Sandler obviously uh, has a, a place in both Seth and my heart, uh, along with pretty much everyone who grew up in our age group, uh, I think, at least loves a handful of uh, mm. Adam Sandler movies. <clears throat> and Cody can't wait for him to die. <laughs> Yeah, as soon as he, I can't wait. I need a good cry. So if Adam Sandler could just keel over, I now, I, now that I've said that, I'm really worried. Like I need, I, Adam, I need you to stay safe for several years, or I might be blamed. Um, but at the very least, uh, an outstanding filmography for for one Adam Sandler that uh, that we certainly appreciate on this show. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are the same way. Uh, what did you think of our top five? Were there some movies that we left out, or did we have them in the wrong order? Let us know your thoughts on Facebook and on Twitter at SoCo Show Pod. Uh, but for now, that's going to wrap it up for this week's Mambo number five. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Mambo number five. We keep things rolling in the world of movies. Uh, there was a little movie that came out this last weekend, a uh, little Disney film, little uh, uh, little one you might have heard of that uh, has sparked quite a bit of press over the last few days. So we're going to discuss that this week in movies. Quiet on the set. Can we please have quiet on the set? Movies. All right, Seth. Star Wars Episode Nine: Rise of Skywalker uh, was released this past week, and we're going to review it in a little bit. We'll keep it spoiler-free. Don't worry, listeners. Um, but what what we wanted to kind of talk about was the the reaction to uh, Star Wars Episode Nine, which we've seen uh, we've seen similar types of reactions to other long-running. Um, well-established series, um, but it never quite seems to come with quite the uh, vitriol, I guess, is the first word that comes to mind, that it does with Star Wars. I think that there have been mixed reviews, to say the least, about Star Wars Episode Nine. Some people are really enjoying it. They think it's a great wrap-up for the series. Others are hating it in the loudest and most obscene ways, and a lot of what it comes down to is what the filmmakers decided to do with this established uh, piece of franchise. And I think what a big part of people who are disliking Episode Nine are saying is that this, there are things in this movie that aren't Star Wars, or you, you know, you, there's, there are things in this that don't belong, or this isn't what should have happened. And... <clears throat> We've talked a little bit about this in the past for the MCU and for other franchises, but we're seeing just a shitload of what, what you and I are referring to as toxic fandom 
uh, around Star Wars. And I know, Seth, for you, it's driven you to uh, to putting a bit of a wall up specifically on Twitter because you don't want to read people's hateful reactions because there's that many of them. Yeah, it, I, I, <laughs> I muted Star Wars after I saw it. <laughs> because Most people <laughs> muted it before, yeah. so they avoided spoilers. I muted it after so I could avoid morons. Um, I... When I look at different fandoms, um, you know, I think the big ones right now are obviously Star Wars and Marvel. And, you know, there, there are a few out there when it comes to Marvel that really complain about it and get upset. I think DC is probably like a, a distant third, I guess, when it comes to fandoms. Um, but really, though, I think Marvel and Star Wars are the two big ones. And when you look at Marvel, not, I mean, again, a few people, but there's not a not a lot of people who come out against the Marvel movies. A lot of people really enjoy them. And, and, uh, you know, I think, you know, to, 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 because it's funny, I guess when, when you look at Endgame, there's a lot of fan service in that movie. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and a lot of people who reviewed that movie said there's a lot of fan service, but it's done well. Um, with Star Wars, especially episode nine, there's a lot of fan service, but a lot of the critics didn't like the fan service. They said it wasn't done well. Um, I don't know, and a lot of fans said that too. I, I and actually looking at the 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 scores, so the current Rotten Tomato score for critics is fifty five, but the audience score is eighty six. Whereas, like Last Jedi, the, it was kind of like the the complete opposite. It mm -hmm. was like fifty five percent fan, eighty six percent critics. So kind of funny to see that. So I think a lot more fans are are especially casual fans are enjoying the Rise of Skywalker, but there is definitely a vocal group of people who who hate this movie and and again going back to you know what I was talking about with with the fan service thing that's been the biggest complaint I've seen is fan service and that the a lot of choices were made just to because it was convenient and to you know uh, please the fans um i get i guess for for me i enjoyed the movie and enjoyed a lot of the stuff they did i mean there was obviously things i didn't like about the movie um, with really just about any movie you can say that, but I did have a few problems with it, but overall I thought it was an enjoyable experience. And I think most casual fans thought that as well. Mm -hmm. Um, what I don't understand though, more than anything else is if you didn't like it, why waste the time to be upset about it and complain about it and yell at people on Twitter about it? If you didn't like a movie, sure. Discuss it with your friends or, you know, whatever, but why Scream spend about so it on much a podcast? <laughs> yeah exactly but but why why spend the time to get so upset that you have to mm -hmm. just spread the hate towards other people and if if other people like it then why make people feel bad about liking it i i don't quite understand that and even again you look at the marvel movies i don't see a lot of that i really am and again most people agree that they're that they enjoy the marvel movies but even if someone hate like you don't see a lot of people talk like attack uh was it is it guy pierce that directed uh thor dark world um <laughs> like you don't see a lot of people going after the director of thor the dark world because it was a bad movie you know mm -hmm. um and I, I know there's a little bit different of a fandom and an amount of fandom but i i can't even imagine like if um if endgame really did suck I, I I can't see I don't know. I can't see a lot of people going after the Russos for it. 
No. I, I, I just I I just don't I don't quite get Star I mean, really when it comes down to it, Star Wars fans, the the hardcore Star Wars fans who really who live and breathe because there's no fan that really leave, lives and breathes a franchise like Star Wars fans mm-hmm. um, who make irrational decisions about the what you know Star Wars like you know or their their love of choice like Star Wars fans do. I, I just don't quite understand it, and no none of the there's no fandom that pisses me off more than Star Wars fans. I don't even care about Star Wars that much. I just don't. I I can't stand the irration. Irrational thoughts and, and actions by those by those people. Yeah, well, it's, there's a line, right? There's there's, and we often do this on the podcast. There's here is a movie that I thought sucked, and I'm not recommending it to you. And then there's what you're referring to a second ago is there's people like flat out attacking people and saying you're stupid if you like this movie. And mm-hmm. to me, that is a line. Like everyone, I, everyone is entitled to love whatever they want. And there are people you can go on Twitter, and for, honestly, for every, for every terrible thing you see written about Star Wars, there's also a video of a kid freaking out because they got to see Kylo Ren at Disneyland, or mm-hmm. uh, you know, kids taking pictures and little fuck, little black kids in little Finn outfits doing that thing. And then, there's so much to love about Star Wars to 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 take and say, if you love this, you're stupid is such just a bastardization of what should be a beautiful thing. And let's not forget, ever since the beginning of Star Wars, these have been kids' movies, dude. Like, these, they're <laughs> right. not, they're not, it's their movie, there's literally, they say Space Wizard in the movie. And there's so much, there's fucking Jar Jar Binks, and there's Ewoks, and there's Porgs, and all this stuff. This is, this is not meant, to, it's not breaking bad, you know? And, and... There's lots of complaints people have, but I think that to, to say, to try to take away from other people their enjoyment of something, even if you didn't like it, to me is where I draw the fucking line. And that's where you mm-hmm. are a dick. Not even just like, you're a shitty Star Wars fan. You're just a shitty person. Like if you, mm-hmm. if you try to take away someone else's enjoyment of something and, and degrade them because they enjoy whatever it is they may be, uh, Fuck you. Like, just flat out fuck you. And then an extension of that, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, is everyone wanted to shit on Ryan Johnson for making The Last Jedi, which before now was the previous bastardization of the franchise. And it's just, and to say that, to, to attack personally people who either made the shit or enjoy the shit, it, it seems so dumb to me. And... It, that's how people are reacting to to what they don't like about Star Wars. But I think at the core here is why are people reacting poorly to Star Wars? And I think f- f- to me, based on what I see, here is what I think the reason is. Um, people have an understanding, and you see this across fandoms, whether it's for other movies or books. Uh, I think you see the same thing with Game of Thrones, Harry Potter, uh, a lot of sports teams and franchises, um, TV, where there is a decision that eventually gets made that I've been following and supporting and been passionate about this IP for some amount of time, and that makes me entitled to whatever. It makes me entitled to get the movies the way I want. It makes me mm-hmm. entitled to get the casting and the amount of movies and the scheduling that I want and the budget that I want and the, even the plot events and the dialogue that I want and the events that I like in the movie. And 
it's that sense of like entitlement that I think is what sets fans of things like Star Wars and other properties too, but specifically Star Wars above other things is because someone who has been following Star Wars for their entire lives like I have decides that this is what I deserve and I should have it or you fucked up. And at the end of the day, dude, you're watching a story. Like, you don't get to be upset about how a story unfolds. If I tell you a story, you don't get to be like, I didn't like the part where this happened. It's a fucking story. The story's a story. Mm-hmm. And the 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 second kind of byproduct of this, and I'm making kind of several points accidentally at the same time, but like the the making of a film and what you and I critically look at when we review movies is the mechanical objective building of a movie or the construction of a piece of art. And there are thousands of people who spend thousands of hours doing that. And to say, I hate this entire movie and it's all trash garbage that no one should see because of this one specific thing that this character said at this moment is a total reduction of all the work that those people put in. And I'm not saying there can't be negative criticism of movies. We do it all the time. A lot of people do it all the time. But to say that this movie is total trash because you didn't like something something in the plot is like saying, I didn't like my Lamborghini because the seats were black. Like, everything mechanically <laughs> about this movie, it had a fucking $500 million budget or whatever it had. That's hyperbole, but it had a huge... Of course, it's a well-put-together and well-made and well great-looking and great-sounding movie, but you didn't like what someone said or what someone did in one moment and you think it's trash. And between that and the sense of entitlement that certain fans have, and then just the vitriol with which they treat not only the filmmakers, but the people who enjoyed what the filmmakers made. It's, 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 it's a level of toxicity that I will agree with you as a star Wars fan, star Wars fans are a fucking problem. And (laughs) I'm frankly sick of it because it's making me look like a dickhead too. (laughs) Yeah, I, I just it. For me, I'm I'm just completely over it. Uh, I'm I'm tired of it, and uh, you know I, I'm I'm glad that there's no more movies at this point because because, um, or at least for a while because it's it just it's just tiring. It's tiring to to hear it all and tiring to see it all and makes me not excited. I mean, you know, I I I was texting you and and Jared that you know I didn't want to watch that episode of Mandalorian. I didn't want to play the video game. Because after having being very excited about all this stuff because of, you know, the, the, there had been excitement about, you know, Mandalorian and the video game. So this stuff had coming out and it was that time of year and blah, blah, blah. And then this movie comes out and, and, you know, people are upset about it and, and, you know, getting nasty about it. And, and I just didn't, I don't even want like, and it's not even that Star Wars, I, it's like that, that I dislike Star Wars. I like the stuff within Star Wars. I just don't like the, you know, the, the fandom around it. So, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's kind of, I've calmed down a little bit on it since then. I've, I've beaten Fallen Order, uh, which is nice. And, and, uh, you know, I've played more of the Vader Immortal VR game and, you know, I watched Mandalorian and all that stuff, but, uh, I'm glad that there's going to be no more of the movies for a while because it, it, hopefully it will shut up people for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And frankly, I, even as a huge, huge Star Wars fan, I could use a break too, because it's not it, anymore for anyone and it may be different for people who are more casual fans, even than you. Uh, like, even if you're not a lover of Star Wars, you're paying attention to film news and being on Twitter and all that stuff. And for anyone in that realm, which we're in, uh, it's exhausting because it's all people. I, I, I couldn't read my Twitter today. I couldn't go past three tweets without reading some shit about Star Wars. 
and it makes it tiring. And I think that for one, I think a lot of the criticisms of the movie are dumb. Uh, So I fundamentally agree with even people having a problem with many parts of the movie, but the way people treat those problems, I think is the headline here is if you don't like something or you disagree with it, um, that's fine. You're entitled to that opinion, but don't be an asshole to everybody else who likes it, you know, and Mm -hmm. uh, I'm speaking as a person who spent 45 minutes screaming into the same microphone about how much I hated Captain Marvel uh, and Mm -hmm. that movie shit. And I get, I get how that's easy to do and to get into, um, but what, it, two months later when I rewatched the same movie, I enjoyed it far more. I've, I've seen star Wars twice and I enjoyed it far more when you can remove yourself from the expectation and from the entitlement and from here's what I know is true and right about this. There's enjoyment to be found in this movie. Um, even for folks who didn't want the plot to go the way that it did. And for, for the main and pretty close to only objection I've seen being the creative choices and the plot. Uh, that seems like a silly reason to hate an entire movie. Even, you know, even movies, we talk often about the shitty horror movies that I go to. Uh, and I don't have a lot of nice things to say, but there are some nice things. And to say that the entirety of Star Wars is shit because you didn't like whatever, uh, it's just excessive. And I get that people are passionate and that's fine, but everyone just cool it. You know, like no one's going to die because of Star Wars, probably. I mean, maybe, but I don't know. It's a shame uh, because, you know, we'll talk in reviews a second, but I really enjoy the movie and I think a lot of people are. And it's a shame that people who are assholes, who are frankly the vocal minority, are ruining it and setting bad expectation and putting a bad taste in people's mouth uh, for other people who are really genuine, nice, happy, great to be around fans. Um, I think a weekend that should have been a lot more joyous, uh, was in some ways ruined by, by dickheads. Uh, and that's a shame. It really is. Yeah. Well, Star Wars sucks. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, we'll get to our review of Star Wars episode nine, uh, the rise of Skywalker in a little bit. We've got a couple other things to get to first, but, uh, let us know what your thoughts are, uh, on toxic fandom and, is Star Wars the most toxic fandom or what's worse and what makes a toxic fan? Mm. Um, I, I do think that the, the worst fandom is probably uh, the, uh, the, the Real Housewives of New Jersey. Like they get really upset. Um, <laughs> but Star Wars is pretty close second. Okay. So it's either Star Wars or Real Housewives. Uh, whichever one. Uh, let us know what your pick is. Uh, on Twitter and on Facebook at Soko Show Pod. Uh, for now, though, well, let's move off of Star Wars. We'll come back to it later. Uh, but for now, we're going to keep it in the realm of movies, and we got to make the quota. What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! <laughs> my name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote! All right, folks. Making the quota, the segment where Seth has scoured the internet for a movie quote. He's going to read it to me. I need to figure out what movie it's in and who said it. What do you got for us this week? Now I feel like we've done this one, but I'm going to do it anyway. I don't care. I know there's things you cannot tell people, but I also know there's a story here. People will hear about it. Hmm. I know there's things you can't tell people, but I also know there's a story here. People will hear about it. I don't think we've done this one before. Um... Or at the very least, I don't remember it. 
Okay, help help me catch up with our pathway. Last I remember, we did Sam Jackson, but I think we've done one since. Uh, yes, it was Michael Keaton the last time. Michael Keaton was the last time. Okay. Mike cocaine. Okay, that gives me a pretty good indicator of the film, but can you read it again? I know there's things you can tell you cannot tell people, but I also know there's a story here. People will hear about it. Okay, I'm gonna take a stab at this just based on what I'm hearing. Ow. The quote is this: Is this from Spotlight? Mm-hmm. Okay, it is from Spotlight. Um, I, I frankly am not even that familiar with the cast. Um, is maybe is it Mark Ruffalo? <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, Mark Ruffalo, who uh, similar to Spotlight, Dark Waters, a uh, movie we reviewed a few weeks ago. Uh, highly recommend. That's in theaters now. But Spotlight, uh, best picture from twenty. Do you remember? 14, 15? I don't know. It was Spotlight, then Moonlight. So it was 2016's. And then Light Light. Yeah, it came out in 16, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. Came out in 16 and won... Or no, it was 15. I I could look it up. I'm sitting literally in front of a computer. Anyway, Spotlight was Best Picture. Uh, it won the year before Moonlight won. Uh, great fucking movie, for those who haven't seen it. Which, there is a lot of those people... Uh, that haven't seen Spotlight, and it's incredible. It's the the story of the Boston Globe, uh, sort of breaking the big news about the uh, high amount of um, sexual misconduct within the Catholic Church. Uh, incredibly gripping fucking story and well told. Um, kind of in the same vein as in all the President's Men or the Post or any of those investigative journalism type shows. Um, highly recommend that. Mark Ruffalo's quote from said film was the subject of this week's Making the Quota. What's your name? Fuck you! That's my name! <laughs> my name is Inigo Montoya. And I quote! Spotlight's dope, man. No getting around that. <laughs> oh, you can tell you've been talking about it for five minutes. It wasn't that long. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, for, for the listeners out there, uh, we recorded uh, both the sports show and this show at, at the same time and it is very late at night and we've been drinking for several hours so <laughs> if i if i if i ramble a bit uh, give me a fucking break okay uh <laughs> that said let's spin on and we've got a few movies to talk about let's get into reviews mom what do you think i love it i hated it okay so that's six <laughs> Thank God I saw more movies than you did, because this will be a much shorter segment. <laughs> yeah, we'd be here for another hour if I had to talk about the movies. Well, I mean, we still may. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you 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 forgot making the or missing missing the boat once again. So yeah, or missed the boat once again. I, I, so I will. Say, I didn't. I didn't forget. Uh, I just unfortunately was unable to fulfill my commitment. But uh, next week, yeah. next week, I can promise the viewer uh, I will have have caught uh, a We Missed the Boat film for review next week. Uh, for now, though, six films uh, that you and or I have seen over the past week, and we're going to review them all here. Uh, it was a huge week for theatrical releases this past weekend, uh, the February 20th release date. We had three sort of uh, wide releases. Uh, let's start with one that I know you're eager to talk about. Uh, Jared had a very interesting review. At Jared Buckendall. Over on his YouTube channel. And it's <laughs> been sort of the talk of the movie world, uh, even in a week where Star Wars came out. Cats 
has been uh, heavily discussed. You mentioned it earlier. Uh, it made very little money. It had to re-release itself within its first week to improve upon some CG. You and I both saw this movie. I am more of a fan of musicals than you are. Uh, Jared is also a, a big fan of musicals as well. So uh, he uh, generally enjoyed it, uh, I believe. And I would say that I liked parts of it, but there's a lot going on in Cats. Uh, <laughs> just, j I have seen such a difference between people who are really loving cats and people who think it's trash and i don't know anyone that says it's fine where are you on that spectrum that's probably me okay. uh, it's it's <laughs> i mean there's for me there wasn't too high of a bar to hit i have seen cats i watched it in middle school uh a, a taped performance of it um and, and it was on tape uh that's how old i am um but uh no, I, so I've I've seen the the, the stage production, and uh, you know I knew I knew some of the obviously everyone knows uh, memory uh, going in, and and, and all, my personal favorite is Magical Mister Mistopheles, mm -hmm. um, and so for me that's all they really like. The only thing I wanted going into this was for those to be good, and I really liked their rendition of both those songs. Um, I had a big old smile on my face during the Mr. Mistopheles song, and I thought that the way they did it was really well done. Uh, and then Jennifer Hudson is just fucking incredible. Oh, God. Um, and so her doing memory was awesome. The rest of the movie was fucking crazy, though. <laughs> um, I mean, like, it's just lit littered with cat puns. Uh, no pun intended. Jeez. And <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, my God. How long have you been waiting for that? Is that written on I your fucking not. palm? That one just came. That one came to my head with uh, about four four blue moons uh, <laughs> that, that came out. Um, but uh, and it's one a.m. here, so that's another reason. But uh, <laughs> but but uh, you know it's cat puns everywhere in the background. Uh, the the costumes are fucking strange. Uh, I mean, I because the stage play. They they all have like their costumes are very like puffy and like uh, they're just like almost like coats. And in the movie, uh, Judy Dench and uh, Idris Elba and to an extent a little bit Jason Derulo kind of have those coats and stuff. And I think I and those those I thought were the best costumes. I I think that if everyone would have not been in like a CGI fucking skin tight cat suit, it would have looked a little less weird. Um, it would, because I think that that's the issue that I just, when you look at it, when you're watching the movie is that everything, cause they, they want it to look like everyone's a cat, but the rest of the world is so weird looking that it's, it's almost like an uncanny Valley type thing. Mm -hmm. And then they add in like these fucking weird little tiny CGI cockroaches and, and mice and I don't know. It just—it's just very weird. I think they could have gone some places with it that made it look okay. Because like the stage play of Cats doesn't look that weird. They're just wearing costumes, and the sets are cool looking. Um, this, I think, the sets were actually pretty cool, but the costumes were weird, and the CGI was weird, and and fucking Idris Elba saying "meow" as he disappeared was weird. Um, Rebel Wilson was terrible. Oh my god. Yeah, I did. Uh, I'm a <clears throat> I'm officially out on her. She is awful. Um, 
I don't know. I again, they nailed a couple of things that I wanted, but the rest of the movie was was very uh, strange or bad. Yeah, I think what you're gonna see here is that fans. This is this is as musical a musical as I've seen. If you like like <laughs> La La Land or. Mm-hmm. Um, the Greatest Showman, like I did over the past couple years, those are very cinematic musicals, right? They're made to be movies. Yeah. With Cats, this is a stage play that they're heavily adapting, and they did it in a way that was totally wacky, heavily Mm -hmm. CGI'd, and I think for people who love Cats already, the musical Mm -hmm. Cats, then they're more likely to enjoy this. Someone being introduced to cats for the first time with this, I I would say is less likely to enjoy it. Um, mm-hmm. You and I know a little bit about cats. I would agree with you. Memory and Mr. Mistopheles are the ones they needed to hit. And I think they did those very well. Mr. Mistopheles, mm-hmm. I was fucking ready to party when they were playing that. <laughs> um, and that's the sure sign of a good musical is if I'm ready to sing and dance during it, you know, you've got me hooked in. But a lot of this... I think my biggest problem that hadn't occurred to me before is I'm just not a really big fan of the musical Cats. There's the, a lot of the songs just I, are not great to me. Um, the the characters to me are, are just not awesome. Um, and the adaptation was wacky and out there and took some chances, which I appreciate. But for me, I think the source material was the bigger problem. Um, yeah. Some of the songs are hyper-repetitive. And, um, you know, not to me <laughs> you, intensely creative. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, when they say Jellicle 300 times in the same song, uh, it's not very creative. Yeah. And and so for me, while the movie, I think, has its problems, the CGI in my showing, very mediocre. It looked like a video game most of the time. Um, mm-hmm. But the the vocal performances for the actors, the choreography were great. But there was something about the, vi- the the visual aspect that maybe it's that Uncanny Valley or the video game CGI put me off enough um, where I, d- I don't know if I'm going to recommend this unless you already love the musical <laughs> Cats. If you already no. love the musical Cats, you're going to enjoy it, especially Mr. Mistopheles. That was the highlight for me of the whole film. Uh, and there was a lot to like. I thought, um, you know, the stars, Jennifer Hudson, uh, James Corden, I enjoyed. I thought Taylor Swift was enjoyable. Uh, Idris Elba, you know, the stars here did their job. I just think between the source material and some of the creative choices and production choices they made um, didn't land all the way for me. I don't think this is going to generate new Cats fans, I guess, is, is what in general <laughs> I think. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for one, yeah, the, the, the Jellicle thing really started to annoy me because they say it <laughs> a shitload. Yeah. But you, you mentioned, like, adapting... Uh, you know, plays to the screen. The thing that I'll, that because plays are generally a little bit longer and are more focused on the music is that a lot of times when they get adapted to the screen, uh, they kind of change things up with the story a little bit to make it a little bit more c- cinematic and fit within the hour and a half to two hour time frame. And they don't really do that here because there really isn't a story in this movie. Um, the story, the the entire like plot of the movie is is like a cat will come up and start singing about themselves and then another cat will come up and start singing about themselves and then another cat will start come come up and start singing about themselves and then another cat will start come up and sing about start singing about themselves and then they'll sing about jellicle stuff and then another cat will come up and start singing about themselves so like it's, it's literally just like a series of introductions for the entire movie 
um, it, trying to become a jellical cat, which they don't explain what a jellical cat is. Basically, what it means is that they're going to get to go on a hot air balloon ride. So <laughs> I, 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 I don't, I don't really know what what the story is uh, with with cats, but um, you know, hey, more power to them. Uh, you know, I th- this is one I'd recommend if you want to have you know four or five or six blue moons, or you know, uh, you know, enjoy your favorite recreational drug. You know, whatever it is, um, go to this one and 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 just stare in awe at whatever you're seeing on the screen. But other than that, if you're going to actually enjoy a movie, uh, it's probably not the one you want to go to. Yeah, if you love cats, maybe just watch the musical. Or if you don't know cats at all, uh, maybe do some drugs. But like the, even though I didn't love this movie, and and I, I'm not going to rem- go screaming its recommendation to everybody, it is an experience that I'm glad I had. Uh, and it, it, it was it was wacky and out there and made me feel strange at times and great at others. And it was it's something that n- even we cannot properly explain to you cats. But if you go see it, you'll you'll get why. And there are things to like, there are things to not. But at, at the very end of the day, I think this is as much an experience movie as anything I've seen lately. Um so it's really hard to judge critically, but I had an enjoyable time at the theater, I would say, uh, for folks who are interesting in, in, if anything we've said is interesting to you, just go see it and, and you'll understand what we're talking about. But man, it was strange. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Seth, let's go to, uh, let's go to one of the not huge releases for the week. All right. Um, you saw a couple wow. that were streaming. Uh, what's yeah. one of those you want to tell us about? Um, I'll start with uh, with the Aeronauts, um, which is uh, Felicity Jones and Eddie Redmayne in a hot air balloon going to be uh, Jellicle Cats. Um, <laughs> it takes no. place immediately after Cats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, they want to go become some Jellicle Cats. No, uh, Aeronauts is a movie with Felicity Jones and, and Eddie, Eddie Redmayne. Um, so... Uh, Felicity Jones is, plays uh, Amelia Wren, um, and Eddie Eddie Redmayne is James Glacier, and so a lot of people hear Amelia and think Amelia Earhart. We both thought that um, that is not the case. Amelia Wren is a is a fake character, uh, made up character uh, based off of a person. But basically, the story here: um, Amelia Wren, Eddie Redmayne, uh, or Amelia Wren, Felicity Jones, James Glacier, Eddie Redmayne, they set off uh, onto, uh, on a hot air balloon to go as high as anyone has ever been, uh, ever at that point. This takes place in the mid to late uh, 1800s. And so no one has ever been, uh, you know, higher than I think it's like 20-some thousand feet. And they're venturing to go higher. The reason for that is is uh, James Glacier wants to study um, really the weather. He, he wants to to, there, to this point, there hasn't been any really study of the weather because everyone thinks it's just something that happens and, um, you know, it can't be predicted and all this stuff. And he thinks he, it can be predicted. So he, he, he tries for a while to, to get some money together and, and to get an expedition to go do this. And really the only person that he can find to do this is, is Amelia, Amelia, who um, is, is a pilot of a, who's done who's done this before, who's, who's, who's flown before, and has tried to break the record to go higher uh, than anyone before. Uh, but there ends up being a mishap with her and her husband, who was, who was her co-pilot, uh, and he died on that. And so, um, you know, she's hesitant hesitant to, to go back up. But um, that, that, the story is basically told 
through kind of a series of flashbacks while they're up on on this balloon. Um, a lot of people to this point in in history um, again don't believe in, in in the weather, and they they uh, they believe in weather, but they don't believe in studying the weather and that it can be predicted. So they're very um, uh, basically they just make fun of Eddie Redmayne and, and really put him down, and so. Uh, he's very determined to to go to to do this and and to um, you know find evidence and so he's trying he's pushing the bounds more and more uh, in this movie he's trying to go higher and and, and get more data. Uh, Felicity Jones is someone who is a showman she or showwoman I guess. Um, when they go to set off for this expedition, she's she's putting on a show for the crowd and talks very much about you know, uh, putting on a show for the crowd and, and, and it's all about getting, you know, the height record and all that stuff too. So, um, you, you kind of see their, their conflicting sides through this. Cause again, majority of this takes place in the basket of the hot air balloon and Eddie Redmayne is really pushing and, and he's really relying on silent science and, and she's, you know, she, she still, she wants to break this record, but she's always also a little reserved because of what happened previously. Um, with this story and with what's going on in this movie, a lot of there's a lot of um, very very tense moments because they're up in a hot air balloon in the 1800s, so no one really knows what's going on. It's it's kind of un, unexplored science, and especially the higher and higher they go, they don't really know how the atmosphere is. They don't know how people are going to react to it, um, and especially again with the weather, they don't know how you know the temperatures and all that stuff. And so you see a lot of really tense moments where the balloon is reacting to whether it be like a storm or um, the change in, in pressure or temperature. Um, you know, you see these, obviously, you know, if you, if you just know science now, the higher up in the atmosphere you go, the less air pressure there is and also the, the colder the temperature gets. So you see them start to uh, react differently to that with, with um, some of the decisions they make and uh, it's all very well done, I think, on a scientific level. Um, if you're just looking at at a at it with an uh, anxiety level, it's very you know if you have any sort of fear of heights, uh, you're you're gonna be freaked out by this movie a lot because they do even just from the beginning when like she's joking around when Felicity Jones is is joking around and she's she's like acting like she's gonna fall off the side to like show the the crowd. Uh, that you know that, that just to put on a show for the crowd and, and so even just from the beginning they do that but when there's these real tense moments there you don't know you know <laughs> if they're gonna fall out of this thing and all the way to the end they 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 keep it up with the tense moments so this is a movie that I think for the most part is is mostly focused on these tense moments and what's going on in in the hot air balloon and then sprinkled in they flash back with you know certain things that explain what's going on in the movie um and, and with it being almost it is a period piece being in the 1800s it still has a lot of things that are that are important now um i, I was talking with with you before the we started recording but like the a big issue with this movie that people have had is that Emil that um, Amelia Wren isn't a real person, but was a real person. It was a guy, and uh, the director came out and said, "You know, yeah, I switched. Uh, you know, I made this person a woman because I wanted to tell a story uh, that that shows a strong woman, and and she is a very strong woman. And, and there's a lot of scenes going on in this movie that relate to what's going on in the balloon, but also to what's going on with her as a woman, and, and 
kind of pushing barriers and things like that. So I don't think that's a problem. I think that's great that he did that. And, and, you know, it's inspired by true events. It's not even, they don't even say based on a true story. It's inspired by true events. So he even says right from the beginning of this movie that it's not real. I mean, this is, this is, I actually don't think that James Glacier, I think James Glacier, um, and I think the expedition that he went on where he discovered weather and all this stuff died, uh, during this whole thing. So I don't know if even necessarily like what happens in this movie overall is, is true, but I I do enjoy the story that, that, that they tell. And I think again, very tense, very well acted, um, talking about like the, 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 how atmosphere and temperature affects people. Eddie Redmayne, for me, this is, I haven't seen a ton of his stuff. I mean, I don't like him at all in the fantastic beast movies, but he has a lot of range in this movie. Um, he goes from being, he's a very normal dude, but when the atmosphere starts to take over and, and he starts to get, you know, uh, hypothermia and all that stuff, you see different decisions that he makes and, and, you know, a different person kind of come out of him. So great performances all around, very tense movie, really interesting story. If you like weather at all, or interested in like meteorology or anything like that, um, it's definitely one to check out. I, I like this one a lot. I think a lot of people should, should check this out. So I give a, a full recommend to, to the Aeronauts on Amazon Prime. I dig it. So you and I, Seth, talked uh, before the show about this movie and the fact that you watched it at home uh, because it's an Amazon release. Oh, got yeah. Very limited release in the theaters and sort of the atmospheric nature and the tense scenes of the balloon. Um, I think you had said you, that they still came across very well uh, even at home with your setup, but that this is something that uh, truly would be enjoyable in the theater if it's available to folks. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, either way, it's 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 a. I didn't even mention that. It's a beautiful movie. It's it's some of the shots where they're going in and out of clouds and they're traveling through clouds, and then they show once they get really high up, you can see, you know, just the the curvature of the Earth. Um, even when they're lower, you can you know some of the shots they show uh, of you know the villages and the towns and things like that, um, and then just you know going higher and higher up again, seeing the clouds and the Earth and some of the storms and all that stuff. Uh, it's a very well shot movie, and and again, it gives you the scope. There, there's some shots where it's just this tiny balloon next to a, a giant cloud, and um, you know, it's it's crazy. It's it's, and that all adds to the tension of the movie. You know, with with some of these shots. So, um, yeah, it's 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 real. It's a beautiful movie. I, I think this is one. Um, I don't think it'll get any recognition for cinematography, but I think is is one that could definitely be in contention for it. Well, there you have it, Aeronauts. With uh, Felicity Jones and Eddie Redmayne available now to stream on Amazon Prime, if you've got a lot of lot of Prime stuff represented today, so make use of that uh, membership if you have it. Aeronauts available now. Uh, let's pivot to a film that you and I both caught in theaters this week. Got a, got the wide release, uh, sort of a timely piece. Bombshell. Uh, Charlize Theron, Margot Robbie, Nicole Kidman, all involved. Kate McKinnon is in here. John Lithgow. Uh, pretty pretty stellar cast. This is the story of Roger Ailes, who was the former head of Fox News, and uh, the story of uh, what some people would credit as the beginning of what became the Me Too movement. Um, there is a group of women played, of course, here by Mar- Margot Robbie, Nicole Kidman, and uh, Charlize Theron here, who were the ones who uh, were the first to accuse Roger Ailes, and uh, that would eventually lead to his ousting as the head of Fox News. Uh, so it was a big-time story. 
that took place a few years ago, kind of pretty popular in the media. But this is this sort of the story seemingly from their point of view, the women that is. Um, and this for me was a highly enjoyable movie. I, I'm finding mm-hmm. more and more that I really like these true stories that sort of fit this legal uh, investigative journalism type show uh, where I'm learning things that really happened, but in a way that is dramatically intriguing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this is that to a T. This uh, fits a lot in the same vein. Before I saw this, you mentioned that it was kind of similar to some of the Adam McKay stuff we've seen, uh, Big Short and Vice uh, specifically, where there are some scenes where there's some fourth wall breaking, where the characters are explaining to you what's going on as the audience member. Uh, There's a lot of actual facts used. There's a lot of... Um, archived footage being used and that all for me was incredibly effective I feel like I learned quite a bit uh, about what Mm -hmm. was going on here which was amazing Um, so that was the first thing I enjoyed about it the second was the performances uh, by the leading women in here I think were incredible especially Charlize Theron playing Megan Kelly who's a very popular public figure you've seen her face and the makeup team, whether it's whether it's strictly makeup or if there's some CG involved, they made Charlize Theron look nothing like Charlize Theron and everything like Megyn Kelly in this. Um, and she affected the the proper voice to impersonate Kelly. Uh, this was it was it was almost weird to me how it looked just like Megyn Kelly was acting in this movie as herself. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, she was great. Margot Robbie has some great scenes. Nicole Kidman is great in this. I, I think. The primary things that I really enjoyed about this movie were the the way they told the story and then the actors that sort of starred. I thought it was incredibly effective and I had a blast at this. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, definitely uh, echo a lot of the sentiments you said. Um, I thought the cast overall was, was great. I loved, so there was a lot of um, smaller parts and actually some cases not so small parts for some actors that I really love. Um, so Darcy Carden from The Good Place has a small role, mm-hmm. but really the the two bigger ones for me were two actors from a couple Netflix shows that I love. Um, the the two they were two um, the assistants to Megan Kelly. Um, the, there was the redhead girl and the the black haired girl. Um, they, Julia and Lily are their names. Uh, Liv Hewson is from Santa Clarita Diet. She's the daughter in that show, and then uh, Julia uh, Bridget Lundy Payne is. Uh, on uh atypical uh the sister on atypical um so they they both got a, a lot of um a lot of airtime actually or a lot of screen time in this one um i don't know if you if you know who i'm talking about in these but yeah um, yeah i know in in bombshell i know i'm not familiar with them in their other yeah. stuff but yeah they, they did play a large part because megan kelly is yeah. a big focal point of this and they're kind of in her camp along the way yeah and I was I was so happy to see them in this movie because they haven't done a ton of stuff outside of uh, outside of those shows. So for them to be in be in this movie, I was very happy to see, and they did a good job. So um, yeah, cast is great overall. Um, story was very interesting. I, I was I was definitely plugged in for for the entire time. Um, there was there was some some funny moments up front, but once it got into the kind of the serious nature, I, I thought that was all very well done. Um, I, yeah, I don't really have a ton of complaints of this one. It, it was, it was, uh, very, uh, interesting and informational, but also at the same time, kind of a, a, a lesson that, you know, this, this is stuff that, you know, for one still is going on, but should not happen. And, uh, you know, it shouldn't be put up, it shouldn't have been put up for as long as it was, but should still not be put up for at the same time. So 
Um, yeah, I, I thought it was, I, I really did enjoy it. I, I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. Highly, I, I think it was just highly effective. And, you know, whether or not this movie was made for Seth, you and I, as, you know, 28 year old men, uh, I don't know. So I don't know how it's going to be received by people, you know, uh, by women or specifically women who have gone through some similar things as the, as the females in this movie. Um, but to me, one of the things I, I worry about when I go into a movie like this is one that seems overly preachy and ham handed in its, in, in its empowerment of, of whoever, whether, whether, you know, whatever group, um, and this wasn't that this seemed to be really down the middle. It gave you the facts. Um, it certainly gave you certain characters spin on things and their emotional responses, but it seemed to me to give you what was true. And they even cited sources often with archive footage. So it seemed to be pretty even to me. And mm-hmm. it was, I'm, I'll watch this again strictly for the entertainment value, but I also would encourage other people to watch it just to learn about what happened. Because while it was a popular news story, I don't think a lot of people know many of the details. Uh, and that was by design. Um, but uh, a lot for a lot of people to learn, and hopefully it empowers some some women like like the ones in this to to kind of step up and and tell people about their experiences. But um, at the very least, uh, an incredibly entertaining movie, which for the subject matter this sounds strange, but it was fun, uh, very <laughs> enjoyable. I think that uh, in a world where I am not sold on whether or not Margot Robbie is a good actor, uh, this one provided some evidence that she is uh, to me. I really like Nicole Kidman in her limited role, but Charlize, you, Charlize Theron in this was, she is on a roll right now that mm-hmm. I don't know if anyone realizes, but she is knocking out the best shit ever in the last two years. She did, in the same two years, Longshot, which is straight up a fucking comedy where she plays a presidential candidate. This where she plays Megan Kelly, a conservative fucking news pundit. And then uh, in last year or two years ago, played an Atomic Blonde where she's a fucking super spy. Like, no one else has that range in Hollywood, or at the very least, no and one's Tully. exercising it. And did Tully, where she gained a bunch mm-hmm. of weight. Uh, she is she is the best there is in terms of and, actresses in Hollywood, in my opinion, right now. And you, you, need, to get, you need to get off that, is Margot Robbie a good actress thing? Because uh, you, you still, you got to see I, Tanya. That's true. Um, I do need to see Itania. She was nominated for an Oscar for that. So, um, yeah, she's a great actress, so you can suck it. <laughs> I'm not saying that I will assert that she's a bad one. I'm just saying I, I, this is the first real proof that I've gotten that she could be well, potentially a great one. So You need you need to watch more movies. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, uh, two thumb up recommendations uh, from both Seth and myself on Bombshell. Uh, which very interesting, uh, you know, you talk about Star Wars weekend with cats and with bombshell, great counter programming. Um, and, uh, you know, I think a lot of people enjoyed this one. So catch bombshell if you can in between Star Wars viewings. Um, but I, I do think a lot of folks are going to enjoy this one. Uh, let's see. Let's go next, Seth, to a Netflix movie that you caught. This is getting a lot of buzz, a lot of excitement especially because it's got a really but. popular prestige actor uh, at the front of it. Um, but I, frankly, I don't know anyone else who's seen it, so I've not gotten any other opinions. So yours will be the first on uh, one of many Oscar-hopeful Netflix releases. Yeah, uh, this is The Two Popes. Uh, that stars, you mentioned one of the, the big names, Anthony Hopkins. The other one is uh, Jonathan Price, And so they play... 
Um, I, their, their real names are, because uh, this is based off true story, based off of actually the you know popes you know. Pope Benedict is Anthony Hopkins, and Pope Francis is uh, Jonathan Price. And I think most people know, because I'm not religious at all, but I think most people know, you know, kind of the general uh general popes and, and and just like the kind of their their stances on things um most people know that the current pope who i think the current pope is still pope francis um is a little bit more liberal and accepting and kind of is is changing certain things about the church and the prior pope pope benedict was not very conservative and so that's what this movie really is about it it starts in 05 when uh pope john paul ii passed away and he was a little bit more of a liberal pope as well and so when benedict came in and was was voted in um it kind of reverted back at the time and and so the you, you the beginning of the movie you see that that voting process start and i didn't really ever know how that worked um with how popes got elected in i guess uh, i didn't know there was like an official voting process with it all and all that stuff. And you have to have a certain amount of votes to pass to get in and all, and all that stuff. Um, interesting. If you don't know that process, it's interesting to watch. So I knew about the smoke, like the white and black smoke, but that's really it. I just, I just figured people like agreed upon it. Like it was just a meeting <laughs> that mm. like, oh, okay, you're the Pope now. <laughs> I didn't really know that there was like votes cast and all this stuff, but, um, but yeah, so it's an interesting process. Uh, if you just want to learn about that, it's cool to watch. Um, but then it does get into more of the politics of it and, and, you know, kind of talking about, uh, you know, each side of it, you know, the, the, the liberal side versus the conservative side, but then it gets also into their friendship because they did end up becoming really good friends and, and it shows how that friendship began and, and Benedict didn't want to talk about, you know, politics and, and the stances on the church. Um, there's a point where uh, a good chunk of this movie where, where Francis, Pope Francis wanted to resign from the church and retire and, you know, kind of go do his own thing because he wasn't totally in agreement with what the church was doing. And so Benedict wanted to, uh, you know, convince him to stay, but also not talk about the politics side of things like that. And, and the reason he wanted him to stay was because it would look bad on his regime and all that stuff. So it's very political. And I didn't realize how political all that stuff is. So very interesting. Um, Performances, though, overall, both uh, Jonathan Price and Anthony Hopkins are great. Um, you know, you really get with Jonathan Price that caring nature, even though there's some stuff with his backstory that, you know, doesn't necessarily 100% show that he was always that caring. And, and then with Benedict, he's, you know, kind of always been that conservative, follow the rules type guy. And, and so you see that kind of in their their personal stories but and also how they interact with each other and then kind of how the story progresses because it does take place from 05 until like i i don't know it's 20 20 something early early to mid 2010s when francis took over um so just again very interesting story um there are some slow parts in the movie and i think mostly that's when uh, it goes back in time a bit. That's when I kind of lost a little interest. I really liked the the story of now and and, and the positioning and, and the political side of things and all that. When they went back into the backstory of, of specifically even with, with Francis, I kind of got a little lost there and was just a little bored by it. Um, but overall, the rest of the movie I thought was very interesting, especially if you don't really know a whole lot about how uh, the, 
you know, the being, you know, how the popes are elected and, and just that process and, and how, how political it really is. It's very interesting to watch. Um, and obviously you're watching two great actors, you know, kind of just joust into this entire movie. So, um, definitely worth, worth a watch. Uh, you know, if, if you're interested in any of that, I think it's probably going to be an awards contender just based off of the names and all that stuff too. So again, if you're into any of the, the Oscar stuff, I think this will be one to check out too. So, um, I think it's worth the time. I dig this. So uh, Anthony Hopkins still got the juice, huh? Yeah, absolutely. He's, excuse me. He's still, uh, he got my four beers are coming up now. <laughs> um, he's, st- he, you know, he, he's still, he's still doing it. I mean, he's, I think this is perfect for, he's perfect for this role because Benedict was an older Pope. He was, um, you know, he didn't move around the best and, and, but just was very slow and methodical in what he, how he talked. And, um, you know, I, I guess he just, just very rigid, very, very much a rigid person. And I think that's kind of how Anthony Hopkins is because, you know, he is older, an older guy and, and, uh, isn't moving around the best. So I, I think this was, was a great role for him just, you know, in terms of where he is in his life. But, um, you know, he, he does, he does portray, you know, some of the, um, you know, w- when he when he is sticking to his guns and, and wants to be more conservative, he's very, you know, hard nosed. But when he's starting to open up and, and warm up, especially when he's warming up to Jonathan Price's character, you, you see that you see you see really by the end, you see that real friendship between the two. And I think that's once you see that friendship start to, to kind of blossom, um, then it then it really the movie really works for me at that point. And um uh, it's very believable those two so uh they even use some like actual footage of the real benedict and pope benedict and francis and um they don't necessarily look a ton like them but they the way you see their friendship and they do a gr- great job of portraying that friendship so it's really well done i, I liked it a lot it does feel like a documentary it, it does at times feel like you're watching the real people the way it's shot it's not like not a ton of crazy angles, not, you know, even like the, the, the resolution of the camera looks more like a documentary than it does a movie, which is kind of cool. That is interesting. Uh, and I like friendship, so that sounds kind of (laughs) fun. Um, I think I know the answer to this, but just, just, uh, for the listener's sake. So, so so that we're clear, neither, neither you or I are religiously affiliated. Um, Mm -hmm. and we've talked in the past about other movies that have religious bases and that we've still enjoyed for someone who is not religiously affiliated, still a very enjoyable film for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, not preachy or evangelical in any way, as much as it was just entertaining and factual. Right. Exactly. And, and it's, I mean, because it does, because it, it has both sides to the, to, to the story here though, because it has someone who's very conservative and, and believes in that. It has someone who's, who's very liberal and believes in that side of things. They even, they even talk about like the, the stuff that happens with obviously the Christian church and, and you know, the priests and, and all that stuff. They talk about that, you know, the, with the stuff with the kids and, and so they, they bring that stuff up and, and talk about it in an honest way. So um, I, I think that they don't really shy away from things in this movie, which is which is good to see, especially with a religious movie. So, well, there you go, the two popes, uh, Netflix. You can check this out right now, um, and it sounds like a an acting uh, masterclass to say the least, and certainly something that has generated a lot of buzz for award season. So we'll see how that factors in uh, in the new year. Let's let's pivot now to the biggest release of the weekend, of course, Star Wars. 
episode nine, uh, the rise of Skywalker. Now we, we've talked a lot about star Wars in general and about the reception, but let's just, let's talk about the movie itself. And, and I think that, you know, what's difficult is to land a series that has had eight prior movies, plus a couple spinoff films and come up with a logical conclusion, uh, that ties up all the knots. And, I think the first uh, the first positive we don't need to set up the plot of Star Wars it's Star Wars um, but the first thing I would mention is that regardless of whether or not you like what they did with the plot uh, this movie lands the plane and comes to a logical and understandable and defendable conclusion to the Star Wars we know so far um, one of the things I hate about a movie that, that says it's the end of something and then isn't is the fact that I was lied to in the, the program, in the, in the advertising, this is the end of what you know as the Star Wars, uh, Skywalker saga. And they tie up as far as I can tell all of their loose ends and it does provide a proper ending. Um, it's interesting. This movie is impeccably shot the sound is incredible and it looks fantastic um so mechanically it looks great it sounds awesome i think the performance and the performances in this which have never been a strength of star wars films is on par with what you're used to seeing um mm -hmm. you know it, it's nothing that i think should or will get nominated but they're they're effectively mm -hmm. delivering you know what they need to deliver here uh, there's incredible action in this. This has some of the best lightsaber fighting I've seen and definitely some of the best um, spaceship dogfighting that I've seen. Uh, just the the cinematography in this, I expect this movie to get uh, awards nominations for things like visual effects, sound mixing, cinematography. That stuff all was out of the park for me. Uh, I think the complaints that the complaints that you're seeing are going to be plot based. And, uh, Seth, I think you'll agree with me on most of what I was talking about there a second ago, mechanically with the filmmaking, but in terms of the plot, story structure, uh, pacing, what were some of the things you noticed with kind of how, how they put the movie together, uh, with exception to, you know, the literal parts of putting a movie together? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I again, echo a lot of what, a lot of what you said, um, uh, the the action is is especially like some of the lights i think that's a lot of people had complaints in, in last jedi that there wasn't a lot of lightsaber battles i mean there's that one battle in the in that throne room or whatever with snoke mm -hmm. but other than that there there wasn't really any lightsaber to lightsaber action this one uh there's a lot of tip touching in this one <laughs> um <laughs> um but no a lot a lot of lightsaber battles uh a lot of a lot of really cool fights um yeah, the action was great. I really, I mean, uh, yeah, a lot of the ships were really cool. Um, I thought that, I mean, there were a few problems I had with, with some of the directions it went uh, in terms of the plot and stuff like that. But otherwise, I had fun. And like, I, again, I don't really care that much. So I just kind of went along with the ride. It's like what I do with a Marvel movie. Mm -hmm. I don't really, I don't, when it comes to a Marvel movie and same with Star Wars, I don't sit here and, and, judge the plot i just sit there and have fun i, I want to sit back and turn my brain off and have a good time um the reason i didn't really like rogue one is because they really they wanted me to focus on the plot more than they did the action and stuff now i think i want to go back and watch that movie at some point um because i might enjoy it more if i actually sit and, and watch it for a real movie as opposed to you know dumb fun action movie but when it comes to these the the saga movies the, the episode movies um this is this is what i want uh, you know the, the the episode nine is exactly what I want. I want 
cool spaceship battles. I want cool lightsaber battles. I want to see some cool stuff happen on the screen. Um, and, you know, I want some fun moments. Uh, you know, the, I think this movie has a lot of uh, interesting humor. Um, the, the, uh, the, oh, the Babu Frick, I think is what his name is. Oh, my is. God, um, he's fantastic. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> like, it just, the little thing pops up and fucking screams, and I don't know. It's, it's great. Um, it, that, that, that character is a great addition. Um, but no, general, the, this movie generally has some good laughs. I think there, there's, there's a few cringy moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of which is, is the, they fly now yeah. thing <laughs> that that's, that that's pretty bad. Um, but, but otherwise, no, I, I think, I think there's some funny moments. The action's great shot very well. Um, the, I've never cared about the performances in this movie cause it's fucking laser swords. So I, you know, they, they could, if, if there was real, if there's a world in which Star Wars actually existed, uh, they might be given Oscar worthy performances. I don't know, but this is fucking crazy magical laser swords. They're, they're having, they're out there having fun battling each other. It's not about the performances. As long as no one is terrible, like getting, uh, you know, amazed by sand, Mm -hmm. uh, then, then, (laughs) then it's fine. You know, do exactly what you want to do. So music is great. The music is great in these movies. Always, uh, uh, Williams, John John Williams. Williams, Um, he is what he does with, especially these star Wars scores is, uh, it's a lot of it can't be matched. It's what he does is awesome. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, again, some problems with the plot and you know, there's always star Wars has always had problems with the plots mm-hmm. uh, for people to sit here and say, um, oh, the original trilogy was the best. Cause you know, the story was, you know, blah, blah, blah. All these fucking movies have plot holes, all of them. Yep. So calm down, Yep. calm the fuck down. Um, but again, I have problems with it too. And, and, and there was, there was one, there's one choice in this movie, which we've talked about before, not on a podcast that I didn't want them to go with, but, but where they went with it and how they kind of, um, echoed some things that have happened in other movies and all that. I, I ended up being okay with it in the end. I, I just didn't want, didn't want certain things to happen, but it's not my movie. So whatever, just do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. I had a fun time. That's all I can say. Yeah. I, I had a blast, especially, so I enjoyed it the first time, but I really liked it the second time because I didn't, I wasn't sitting there doing the thing that I often do. And I think back to that Captain Marvel review from uh, earlier in this year. I, I didn't go in the second time going, all right, Star Wars, impress me. Uh, you know, I went in saying, okay, uh, wh- what's great about Star Wars? Let's find that. And everything that you love about Star Wars is in this movie. So if mm-hmm. you if you hated this movie, you just don't like Star Wars. Like, just be honest with yourself. You, you, you're not into Star Wars if you didn't like this movie. This has everything Star Wars has always had in it. And, you know, we can... Uh, maybe we'll do some spoiler talk at some point. Probably not on this episode. But um, there's a lot to discuss about what they do with the plot and how things wrap up. But... Generally speaking, I think this movie's a blast. I I went to two showings that both uh, seemed to enjoy it and had fun with it. And, um, you know, <laughs> for anyone who's screaming vitriol into the Twitterverse, just remember that you're watching a movie that features space wizards with laser swords that's made for children. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And if you if you take it in on that level with that level of expectation, you will have a blast in this movie. It is super super fun. There's a lot of, there's a lot to love here. 
and it's going to get some Oscar nominations. I, I don't doubt that for a second. I think mostly on the technical side, but um, but this was <laughs> this was I, you know, maybe it's going to take thirty years of of rumination and and revisiting, but I, I think this this will eventually be appreciated. Um, but uh, it, it's so hard for a movie like this and a franchise like this to be appreciated in its own time. So. We'll see how things shake out. But you and I both enjoyed this. Uh, we'd give it a recommendation, especially if, you, if you're a Star Wars fan, you got to see this. If you're not, I think this is an accessible Star Wars movie. It does well to explain what it's doing and, and bring you along, even if you're not a super fan. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just super fun. Just go be a part of, just go be a part of it and, uh, and give Star Wars a shot. So Episode 9, uh, recommendations from Seth and I. Uh, probably if you plan on seeing this, you already have, <laughs> or you're planning on very shortly. So <laughs> episode nine in theaters now, uh, and we have one more film, which was released, uh, this week, uh, was a Christmas Eve release and Seth got to see it before we recorded this podcast. Uh, and it stars the aforementioned Adam Sandler in a role that's generating him a little bit of Oscar buzz. So let's see Seth, if he, uh, if he's living up to the hype that's been sort of trickling in over the last few months. He does that in the oh, movie. Oh, Sam, man, that's <laughs> too much. I <laughs> know. Uh, so we we talked about uncut gems. Uh, made my list uh, for in my top five for favorite Adam Sandler uh, movies slash performances. But um, yeah, uncut gems. Uh, the a twenty four movie. So I know those movies can be a, l- a little uh, divisive sometimes, but uh, not not a horror movie. So um, uh, definitely more of a dramatic movie. So. Uh, does, doesn't go some of the weird places like Midsummer does, um, but uh, basically the the overall story here. Adam Sandler plays uh, Howard Ratner. He's uh, he he runs a jewelry shop um, for especially like high end or um, kind of different jewelry that uh, the that, that he gets more um, like uh, athletes and and um, celebrities, rappers, things like that in there. Um, for example, he has a chain with like a Furby on it. That's all, you know, that has a bunch of diamonds and stuff on it. So um, he, he, uh, he's got kind of some eccentric jewelry and, and things like that. But he gets in uh, this, this gem from, uh, it's like, I think Nigeria might be where it's from. Anyway, uh, I think it's Nigeria. I could be wrong, though. Um, he gets this gem in and when he gets it in he he shows this to Kevin Garnett Kevin Garnett's in his place and uh the this <laughs> Kevin Garnett is very enamored by the by this gem and really wants it so Adam Sandler of uh, Howard knows that this is that that he 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 this gem is worth a lot of money he it takes a while for him to get this um and he uh, is going to put it up for op- auction he he thinks it's worth a, a ton of money but again, Kevin Garnett's enamored by it, so he makes a swap, and uh, basically, Kevin Garnett gives his uh, championship uh, ring for winning a, a, a NBA Finals to to Adam Sandler to Howard to swap out for the for this gem because Kevin Garnett is so enamored by it, thinks it gives him luck and all this stuff, and so it turns out that this gem helps. It, basically, it. it um, Kevin Garnett, play, Kevin Garnett plays a lot better with this gem. And so he's, he loved, like he loves this gem and he kind of keeps it away from, from Howard. But again, Howard needs it for this auction. And so while all this is going on, Howard is playing, placing bets on Garnett 
and he he's a dick he's like a, he's a gambling addict and so he's like pay, placing bets on Garnett he's doing a lot of positioning with different jewelry and um with with uh with with different bets that he's placing on on these sports and and he's got people after him because of of other bets he's made like you don't really ever get a full and and, and the reason this sounds fucking like I'm just spouting out random things because that's kind of what the movie is <laughs> so like you're just thrown into Howard's life you're just boom here you are and you really start off with in inside of his store and Kevin Garnett's there and like that's that's the beginning what I just explained is the beginning of the movie and as the movie kind of unfolds, you do start to learn more about about Howard, obviously. But you see how the, the these bets he's placing and the debts he owes are affecting his life. So he has so he has uh, I guess a strange wife. You learn right away. Uh, Adina Menzel, who is from Frozen, um, Adele Dazim, is his wife, but they're estranged. He's got two kids that or three kids that all think that he's still they're still together and living in the house but at night he you know puts them all to bed and then leaves and he has uh this girlfriend uh julia who is played by julia fox who lives up to her family name uh she is a fox and uh <laughs> and um so there's that relationship going on. She works at the jewelry store and, but she's kind of almost like they, they're, they have a relationship. They're together, but she's like almost like arm candy in a way. Like she's getting clients into the store and she works at the store. So she's, you know, helping out with selling the stuff. Um, I don't want to say too much more, but basically the, the movie is kind of a, ch- kind of a chess game with, with Howard against himself kind of but also people he owes money with and he's he's putting different collateral down and he's putting different bets on things and there's just every moment that's going on in this movie is is it's very tense obviously like there's there because of the bets he's placing and what's going on with the bets it's super tense and you never know if he's going to get out of the situation he's in i it's Again, without explaining too much, I don't want to spoil anything because it it doesn't fold. It unfolds rather quickly, but saying any one thing would have spoiled too much. But it's a two hour and fifteen minute movie, and it and in it moves very very fast, um, which is good because you don't want to be stuck in this fucking anxiety driven movie for that long. Um, but it just continues to to unravel and and you know you see the unraveling of his life in in a lot of ways too. Um, Adam Sandler is fantastic in this movie. Um, like I said, the best performance I've ever seen out of him. It's it's a different performance than you've ever seen out of him. Um, this is this is not a person who's cracking jokes constantly. He's not a. I mean, he's funny at times, but he's not. It's not funny in like a witty way. Um, he, I don't know. It's it's sometimes it's a sad funny. Um, sometimes it's. It's, uh, you know, he, he might crack, you know, like a one liner here or there, but it's way more of an intense thriller, almost dramatic movie. Um, it's outside of what anything you've seen him do. And it's, it's outside of what you'd think his range would be, but, but it's there. I mean, he disappeared, like 
the the second he's on the screen, he's you know it's Adam Sandler, but it's not like he it's a he's got a different accent, he's got different teeth, he looks completely different, and he acts completely different. He's he's not Adam Sandler. Uh, he, he's great. He's fantastic, and he carries this movie. He's he's on the screen for ninety nine percent of it. So, um, it's an intense movie. It's very interesting movie. If you have any sort of if you've ever done sports gambling or have any interest in sports gambling. I think this is, you'll feel a lot of this even more than most other people will, um, just because of like that, that feeling of watching a game with a big, or with any bet on the line, hoping that that bet pays off. But with him, the stakes are so much higher that it, it's, it's almost like life or death for him. Um, I, it's, I don't know, like, again, I don't want to say too much because it is very much like a movie where you have to just let go because you again you ha- you have to let it go because you are just dropped into his life at this moment and they explain what they need to explain but otherwise they just kind of here you are and take this ride with him <laughs> you know um it's crazy it's it's a it's a pretty crazy movie it's very intense and it's worthy of an oscar nomination for sandler for sure so it's not an easy movie to watch at times but uh, i think it's worth it and and if you're if you're a fan of Sandler, if you're a fan of, of sports gambling or sports in general, um, or just want to see an intense movie, uh, I think this is, I think I liked Good Time a little bit more, which is the Safdie brothers who directed this, their their prior movie. Um, but it's a very different movie than Good Time and it is, is along with being very, very, very intense, very entertaining as well. So I, I'd recommend checking this out. It's not for everyone, but I'd recommend checking this out. This is, this screams me. Um, mm-hmm. I love gambling. Uh, I love sports. I love Kevin Garnett. Um, <laughs> I actually never really had an opinion before now about Kevin Garnett, but uh, I am, I'm actually hoping to catch a showing of this in the next day or two. Um, very stoked to see Sandman uh, doing this and, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, you have made me even more pumped than I already was uh, to yeah, see Nanko Gems. It's such a hard one to explain because it, it is very much just like, again, slice of like this moment in his life, you're dropped into it. And without like saying saying the plot, saying the plot of the movie is like just saying the movie. Mm-hmm. And so I don't want to say too much about it. But um, yeah, it, it is very much a, just a ride you're taking with this guy that is making a lot of insane decisions. And you're sitting there seeing if these gonna pay if the, they're gonna pay off, and you feel every moment of it. Like his character is not a good person, but you still, because of the stakes involved and and you know kind of who who he is in that time, like you you still feel for him even though he's not a great person. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is uh, this is interesting. I'm I'm even more intrigued now than I was because I want to know what you're not saying, um, but. Uh, <laughs> Very excited to see this. Uncut Gems is the movie. Stars Adam Sandler. Um, by the release of this podcast, it should be widely avail- available everywhere if you didn't already go see it on Christmas, um, which I I think is the official release date is Christmas. Um, but uh, Uncut Gems is out there. Go check it out. See the Sandman doing his thing. Um, maybe it'll inspire you to go watch The Longest Yard again. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, a whole bunch of movies here. Uh, Star Wars, Bombshell, Cats, Aeronauts, Uncut Gems, and The Two Popes, uh, all getting varying degrees of recommendations depending on your your mood and preference. But uh, six movies, uh, uh, closing out a packed, packed, packed December 
uh, with only one or two releases left uh, before the end of the year here uh, in what has been a very busy time for the SoCo show. So lots of reviews here. Uh, more to come in the weeks uh, that are also to come. <laughs> Mom, what do you think? I love it. I hated it. All right, reviews means we are just about finished with the show. But before we go, let's leave you with just one more thing. But I'm down to one more, one more thing. I am going to make just a brief comparison between Star Wars and Marvel. Um, I'll, I, I think, at least in my showing, I went, to, I went to the first showing at my theater of the new Star Wars movie. And, you know, when you go to a movie like that and it's packed and it's a big fan movie, you expect for there to be like cheers and stuff during the film. Um, and frankly, I was a little bit sad because I didn't get the atmosphere that I was hoping for, for Star Wars. Um, the atmosphere when I went to Marvel's Avengers Endgame, uh, back in April was electric. Like everyone was hyped for everything. There was certain times in the movie where people were like standing up and everyone was whooping and hooting and hollering. And there <laughs> really wasn't that. In Star Wars, and I don't, I don't know what that means. I, maybe I just didn't get the right showing or whatever else. But I was a little bit sad uh, by that. I expected, and there are moments in the movie in Star Wars that that warrant cheers. Um, but there, there just wasn't that reaction that there was in Endgame. I don't know what it is that Marvel's doing better than Star Wars, or maybe it's just, like I said, that I caught a different showing, or that uh, people just aren't as stoked as they are uh, about Marvel as they are for Star Wars. I, I don't know, but I, I expected it to at least rival Avengers, but it was not close uh, people were so much more stoked. And maybe that means there's a passing of the guard in terms of, you know, what the general, uh, movie going public is, is obsessed with. And, uh, for me, I, it seemed like Marvel, at least in 2019, Marvel had the sauce and Star Wars just did not. And regardless of why that might be, um, it made me a little bit sad. But uh, but I'm here for both, so I guess it's not too bad for me. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, apparently there's a lot of sauce in this episode, but <laughs> um, but no, I I there was there was some there were they my theater clapped during the opening crawl and then at the end, but yeah, you're right. I mean, like during Endgame, during the 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 hammer with the catching of the hammer and other certain moments, there was like clapping and cheering and yeah. So during end game. So yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. I think, I think Mar, I think it's just because of the time, you know, like Marvel is newer and there's been a lot more movies they've surpassed, uh, star Wars in terms of movies already. And I think generally most audiences are not divided on Marvel movies. And I think the general public, likes the Marvel movies a lot and you don't see a lot of vitriol about it. So, um, I just think overall in general, Marvel has a more widespread fan base at this point. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Um, I'll keep mine, my, uh, my, my, uh, one more thing short and sweet. Uh, I've been updating people on, on what's on streaming. Some of my favorite movies on streaming. Uh, one of my favorite movies from this year that might appear on my, my list here coming up for top of the year, uh, wild Rose, a smaller movie that's on uh, Hulu now. So check that out. I really enjoy that movie a lot. And uh, it's uh, widely available at the moment. 
Yeah, I, I saw this one also, and it's highly enjoyable. Uh, I would I would second Seth's recommendation. Uh, catch that on Hulu if you get a chance. It's just a it's it's just a nice little movie, uh, is is the best way for me to describe it. Um, it made me feel good uh, in parts, and not great in other parts as right now. <laughs> but I did enjoy it. But um, anyway, you can catch Wild Rose on Hulu, and uh, if you're going to Star Wars, be be more excited about it. <laughs> That's one more thing. But I'm down to one more. One all right folks that's the end of episode 125 of the soco show make sure you're subscribed wherever it is you're listening so you can catch new episodes of this show every thursday and the sports show every friday also make sure you hit the description box and check out our sponsors uh links to all of them please support them if you can Uh, speaking of supporters want to give a shout out to our contributors mike v jared b and fuck you Uh, we appreciate you guys keeping us afloat here And if you want to become a contributor, head over to our anchor page. And if you would not like to become a contributor, that's okay. Just keep clicking these episodes, keep sharing them with friends, and that will help us out as well. Uh, Happy holidays, everybody. We hope you enjoy safe travels and good times with friends and family, or that you enjoy a nice triple feature at the movies, if you're me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I I know Seth echoes the same sentiments, and uh, he is, of course the so host i am the co-host cody michael and we will see you next week for a fantastic review of the year where we will have special guests at jared buckendall so make sure you guys come back around for that anyways bye bye